0: So, like, when you won the chip, that first initial feeling, other than euphoria, what was, like, the first thing you thought about?
1: Man. Oh, I, I literally was like, this is going to change my life forever. This is going to change my life forever because you're in the history books. Like you said, like yourself, you're in the history books. And that's, like, that's a big deal, you know? And it's, like, and, and, I, and I do compare it to being the same thing, you know, what, what you've done it's the same thing as winning a World Series and winning, you know, an NBA championship. It's a championship. You've won the championship in your in your sport, which is food, which is unbelievable. So, you know, like that feeling that comes with that, it's like, it's it's one of those things that, I don't know, people just look at you differently just because you have this thing and you're like, oh, Yo, I'm the same guy. It's just, I just happened to win the World Series. Should
0: we introduce the podcast? Should we start? Um, are you recording? Symphonico!
2: Symphonico. <laughs> <laughs> John, Jay? John, Jay. John Jay, we, we made this make shit, make shit happen again.
3: Happen. Whoa. Whoa. Whoa, you
2: know what how is it is.
4: That is Mi Pistola by Puerto Rican rapper John Jay. J-O-H-N-J-A-Y. We are joined by John, J-O-N-J, and I'll let Mike introduce him.
0: Welcome to the next episode of Pankone Podcast with ads that people paid for.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's been going on for a little while. Yeah, whatever. I'm just trying to get you to use the applause one.
0: Uh. <laughs> you didn't know which button it
1: was. That's so
3: good. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Jay, what's up? What's happening? We, do, we need to do like the proper introduction,
4: right? You're Nick good. always does the introduction. Go ahead. Oh, no, the, the, no, this is your wheelhouse. You've known this guy for how long? You could do an introduction. I know, but it's all, you do all the right, better right. introduction. Welcome to Pan Kong Podcast. My name is Nick Jimenez, and I am joined, as usual, by guest, eighth-grade basketball MVP, one-time Chili Cook-Off champion. That never happened. Proud owner of a Ford Bronco, Michael also Beltran.
0: Sorry. Okay, that's fine.
4: Today's guest is... Sorry, what's going on? Oh, yeah, perfect. Thank you. Being offered water over here from our sponsor Aquapana, official water of Panko Podcast. <laughs> <clears throat> One of the official waters, also San Pellegrino. I'm a still water kind of man. Um, we are joined by John J O N J, not only a classmate of eighth grade basketball MVP Michael Beltran. Uh, sadly for John, they met after Mike's basketball glory days. Yeah, uh, but also. Uh, an alum of Christopher Columbus High School, the University of Miami, and Major League Baseball. Uh, We'll get into all of those things, I'm sure. Uh, Currently, first base coach with the Miami Marlins. Um, And I think that's about, uh, that's all I got, man.
0: I got a great story. Great. So obviously, I I had Webb for class, right? And uh, Webb was our baseball coach in high school and it was me jojo gutierrez jason hill pat may have been in that class rasheed rancher was definitely in that class um and i remember you know like jason always used to like poke at Webb often like he would fuck with him a good amount and we were just talking about like the the team and i'm pretty sure this was senior year maybe and he was like if I had a, f- a team full of John Jays, we would win four state titles. That's what Webb said, like to, verbatim, and I it all, I always remember that because, I mean that was kind of like your legend at Columbus, and then I feel like that kind of like trickled into UM after.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, that that's uh you know that's something that uh. I kind of, you know, just try to take pride in tra- doing things the right way, you know, and, uh, and making the most of, of every single day and, and not trying to take shortcuts. And, you know, uh, that's something that I started at Columbus. And like you said, I, I took it with me to UM and it, I took it with me, you know, to pro ball and then to the to major leagues and, you know, even in life now after, uh, after playing. So that's something that I always took pride in, just trying to do things the right way, trying to treat people the right way. And uh, I, I just had such a love for the game that I didn't want to cheat the game. I wanted to respect it. Well, because I didn't meet you until high school. I actually don't
0: think that we actually like met till maybe like sophomore year of high school because, you know, Columbus was, you know, freshman year. All I remember was detention. I don't really remember much else from freshman year other than just being in detention for like 80 straight days. But um, like, tell me about like, when did you start playing ball? Like tell me about childhood all the way to when you got to
4: high school.
1: Yeah, so I think since I was a kid, I just always loved sports, right? Like sports was just always uh, like from what I was told from my parents and, and my grandparents. I just always uh, my grandmother called me pelotica, you know, so ball. So like since I was two years old, that was kind of my nickname. I fell in love with soccer first growing up. I think that was uh, that was really my first love of a sport. But so I played soccer and baseball growing up uh, from like five to ten years old. And at ten years old, I kind of hit that that you know that spot where Saturdays was getting a little too long for the family. You know, it'd be soccer mm-hmm. game in the morning, then baseball game, and it'll just get it got it got to be too much, so that's where I really, you know, to start playing baseball, the, you know, the most, and I really fell in love it. I had no pressure. Nobody in my family had ever played baseball, despite being Cuban. No way. Yeah, despite being Cuban, I mean, and, and you know, that time when we grew up. I mean, I think everybody played little league baseball. Everyone has that one. I story. played little league baseball. Everybody played little league baseball. Yeah. I, I yeah. tell everybody all the time, like everyone I grew up with played little league baseball for sure, at least once. It's funny
0: that you mentioned like the pressure because I think that's why I stopped playing. Because like when I was a kid, my grandfather, which I love dearly. He would sit there and just, like, critique. I mean, we're playing, like, T-ball. You know, like, critique everything. He's like, you need to do this. And, you know, I was, like, an angry little fat kid. And I was like, I just want to fucking hit things. And this is why I ended up playing football that nobody in my family ever played and nobody cared about, actually. So it was, like, absolutely fucking perfect. But, I mean, I played baseball, I don't know, probably until I was, like, eight or nine. And then I just, like, I just didn't, I didn't have a love for the game, for sure. But I... I did love football, like, hardcore. So it's interesting that, like, the pressure, that you didn't have the pressure, so you enjoyed it more.
1: And I say I think that's why I was able to be successful in, in, in my career, for me personally, right? I never had that pressure where it was almost like, hey, you want to do this? Go do it. But if you're going to do it, this, you know, it takes hard work, it takes dedication to get to where you want to get to. And kind of, I think I got that from, you know, the work ethic from my grandfather of, like, you know, he'd get up at five in the morning and... You know, he was a handyman. He'd fix air conditioners, and he'd just do whatever it took to, you know, to get by and, and right. to survive. And I saw him work hard every single day, and I just kind of said, well, you know, if this guy came from Cuba for his family to have a better life, and he sacrificed so much for me. You know, whatever I want to be successful in, I just got to take that kind of same work ethic. And it's funny, I talked to my mom about it a little bit, or like, you know, when did you, she's like, when did you know you're, you know, you could really play baseball or do, you know, something? And I said, you know, from a young age, I just felt, you know, watching Abuelo's work ethic and and just, yeah, I was good at sports and I was good at it, but I just, like, I knew I was going to be successful at something just because I saw, like, if you just work hard and you just put your head down and you do it, you can do anything you can do out there. So that was kind of all my, my, my motto. And I think, uh, you know, that was just from... You know, growing up like that, I remember if there wasn't school, you know, in elementary school, you know, everyone got to go home and do who knows what. Like, I would have to go to work with my grandfather. So, like, I never missed school. Like, it, that, was, that, that just wasn't a thing for me, like, to miss school because I was, like, I knew I had to get up at 5 in the morning and go work. Like, I'd rather go to school all day and hang out with my friends. So, <laughs> I think that's kind of where, you know, it all started for me with my work ethic it was, you know, watching my grandfather really bust his ass to, you know, for his family. <laughs>
4: thanks to our sponsor agonorsa leaf cigars
0: agonorsa leaf is renowned throughout the world for its signature flavor that possesses all the great attributes of nicaraguan terroir along with classic cuban aroma and flavor
4: agonorsa leaf is pleased to announce a brand new edition of guardian of the farm cerberus Named after the mythical three-headed hound that stood watch at the gates of Hades, this exciting new Nicaraguan puro uses 100% Aganorsa leaf tobacco and is wrapped in Aganorsa's new Corojo 2012 cover leaf, which adds a level of complexity to the blend, adding light spice and a rich, smooth body to the blend.
0: When you smoke one of our world-class blends, you will experience the difference between ordinary tobacco and Aganorsa leaf. That's why we say our leaf is is our strength. Learn more about Aganorsa Leaf and use their store locator and find a cigar shop near you that carries their products at www.aganorsaleaf.com.
4: The two of us smoke Aganorsa Leaf cigars often. We also offer them to a lot of our guests, like, for example, Dave Arvello, who every time I post a picture of a a Cerberus mentions to me in my DMs or in a text how cool the band is, which it actually is a pretty slick-looking band. Um, But also... I just want to note, a little personal anecdote here so it's not all totally straight-up red. I can say that uh, Michael Beltran will absolutely not only vouch for the quality of Aganorsa cigars, yeah. but you met a uh, Miami legend and handed him an Aganorsa cigar. I did meet uh,
0: uh, a Miami legend. I was smoking nearby Alonzo Morning, and we had a conversation about cigars, and he handed me one of his, and I went inside. I bought this exact same cigar, and I handed Alonzo Morning. This Aganorsa cigar, and
4: I said, try this. Thank me later. I mean, if that's not an endorsement, I don't know what is. Aganorsaleaf.com. All right, you've heard us talking about the barrel here on Pan Podcast before. It is a sleek barrel-style cooker with loads of capacity that represents a new way to grill. Gets you great results in a fraction of the time that it would take you to cook, let's say, a rack of ribs on an offset smoker. The legend of The Barrel has only
0: gotten greater. They're running around town winning cooking competitions left and right, including taking first place at FIU's North Miami Brewfest for best eatery. They're not even an eatery. No, they're not. I'm not saying they could hang with Nick making omelets in the morning, but it's still pretty impressive. Some South Florida chefs have even started to use The Barrel in their restaurants. That's fucking wild. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for your backyard.
4: Trust me. You can get yours at BarrelTheBBQ.com. Use promo code PANGKONG10. That's PANGKONG10 for 10% off of your purchase. The Barrel is a hand-welded barrel-style cooker with a chimney at the center of its base and a rail that runs along the circumference at the top. So you can hang ribs, pork belly, whole chicken, salmon, cheeses, dips, sauces, and all manner of other stuff along the edge. Whatever you want. Alternatively, use the grill rack up top to sear meats or grill veggies directly over the coals. Use a pizza stone to cook your favorite pies. The versatility of the barrel is a thing to behold. (laughs) Mike, you've used the barrel. Tell the people about what you did with it.
0: Yeah, my favorite thing with the barrel was actually the grill on top. You know, like obviously you can cook all the meats underneath it, but the fact that you can cook... You know, some veggies on the side or, you know, if you want to cook cheese. I didn't use the pizza stone on top, but that's a very interesting idea. I think that the versatility of the product and the fact that you can cook a whole meal in one barrel, you know, right. makes it pretty versatile.
4: I mean, a whole bunch of meals. So when I, I had some people over for uh, one of those fight nights oh, Epic house, Nick fight nights. One of those fight nights and uh, did a lot of chicharrón. So I just lined pretty much the whole edge of the barrel with, with pork belly. And had that be uh, an appetizer thing, and also some ribs. How did that come out? Came out great. Yeah, I Came love that. Came out great. I also had a, a past guest, Luis Estrada. Chef Luis Estrada was wow. there, was on hand to try yeah. the, the chicharrón that I we made. I love that. So, yeah, what, was,
0: what, were his, what was his feedback?
4: He was a fan. He, uh-huh. he was familiar with the barrel already.
0: Oh yeah? Yeah, yeah. See that? Um,
4: Chefs all over know about the barrel. All the way to Brooklyn.
0: <laughs> yeah, all the way to Brooklyn.
4: Again, barrel the BBQ promo code PANCONG10 to get 10% off of your order. Tell the people barrel the BBQ to Ten. B- barrel the Barrel the BBQ. <laughs> com, com. PANG PANG
0: ten. That PANG means for ten. some wild reason you will get 10% off your purchase. When you go
4: to buy a, buy the barrel. That's right. For all of your needs. That's right. And you want to get all the accessories too. All the, get all the accessories. All of, them, all of them. Good stuff.
0: Introducing the newest line from Juristate Cigars. 20 Acre Farm is a complex, refined, and medium body cigar with a super oaky and cedary notes accompanied by a whisper of white pepper and a bright hint of citrus. Built at La Gran Fabrica, Drew Estate in Nicaragua using a velvety, and I mean velvety, Ecuadorian Connecticut Shade Grown wrapper.
4: Under that wrapper is a sun-grown Alano binder and a filler blend of Nicaraguan tobaccos from Esteli and Jalapa in perfect balance with the opulent and majestic Florida sun-grown leaf. Florida sun-grown is also the name of the farm where that tobacco is lovingly grown and harvested by Jeff Borshowix, who's the guy you see in this video playing behind us. Uh, On his pristine 20-acre plot of land Near the central Florida town of Claremont I have actually been to that farm Along with plenty of other cigar tobacco farms In Mexico, Central America, and the Dominican Republic And what Jeff, who by the way is a very nice guy There's actually a cigar box signed by Jeff Hanging on my wall Uh, What Jeff is doing there is super legit Uh, So it's always cool to see products like his Which is the only premium cigar tobacco grown in Florida um, in products from a company like Drew Estate. Plus,
0: 20 Acre Farm being a Drew Estate product means it's the creation of Master Blender and Pancom Podcast guest, Willie Herrera. Support our guests and sponsors. Get it online. Ask your local cigar shop about 20 Acre Farm by Drew Estate. Learn more about Drew Estate and use their store locator to find... A cigar shop near you that carries their products at druestate.com.
4: That's right. I'm probably going to smoke one of those right now. I, what are we waiting for?
0: Interesting, too. Like um, younger Hispanics, when they really paid attention to the older ones and watched the amount of work that they put into provide for their family, new to this country, a whole different way of life and just like how much they sacrificed if you paid attention like you it's i mean it still affects me to this day like what my grandparents did for us i mean people ask me like why do you work the way that you worked or work and it's like i don't know i mean i don't know i just what i saw when i was growing up so it's like i would it works for them you know I, i i think it would work for us and obviously it has worked for us so when you were younger why why did you pick baseball over soccer
1: I, th- I think I think honestly, it's just a, a, a byproduct of your environment, right? You you know, you looked around Miami at that time; it was just baseball fields everywhere. That's 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 what there were. There wasn't really soccer fields and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, I and I joke around with it. Um, you know, we'll talk about my, my wife later and all that. But uh, you know, she was a soccer player. But I always said, like, I think, you know, if we did have those academies back then here, like I I think I would have chose to play soccer because that's that's really what like I just loved playing soccer. So. Oh man.
0: In Miami, it was like every corner was another baseball academy. That's it. it oh like- man, every single fucking corner is baseball academy. There's someone that played in Cuba and someone that's teaching you how to like swing the bat and whatever. It, woo, Talk about like PTSD from when I was a kid. <laughs>
1: <Holy> <laughs> fuck. But like you said, the, in- the intensity of it, right? Like I remember it being that intense since we were kids. So, yeah. you know, I, you know, at each level, each stage, you know, you kind of get used to dealing with that pressure, and then. You know, you get to high school and you're kind of used to, you know, dealing with all this pressure since you're, you know, 12 years old with this. You know, I remember going to the boys club and, you know, after, you know, before a game, they'd have, you know, everyone's batting average up there, you know. So guys would literally go and parents, everyone's just there looking they're like, oh, look, you know, my son's hitting here. You know, yeah, you know, kids, you're 11 years old, you see your name, you you know, you're leading me, you are like, you know, I'm that dude, you know. So, you know, you kind of saw that and it was like kind of that pressure where I feel like in other parts of the country, you know, you don't, you don't really see that back then, right? I
0: mean, baseball in Dade County is a big deal. It's a big, I mean, I think sports in general in Dade County are a big thing. Like football in Dade County is a big thing, but football in the whole state of Florida is a big thing. I just remember when we were in high school, um, I mean, baseball was like, it was kind of ruthless, you know, like this school was known for this thing and they had that one player and this school was known for this thing. And then Columbus was always kind of like Columbus was known for having a really good program, but I think Columbus always just had a really good program, you know, um, where did A-Rod go to school again? Westminster Westminster. You know like A-Rod was a thing at Westminster I don't really remember Columbus was known for A certain player But more just like having a great team And then obviously in 03 Was that the first state title that we won?
1: That was the first state title First I mean, we, we've we've always had a Columbus has always had a rich baseball history of, uh, and we had a lot of guys that played in the big leagues before, you know, George Fabricas, Arthus Estrada. There's there's a couple guys, but I mean, as far as like going Division One, you know, going to UM and just going out and having really good college careers and you know, minor league careers. I mean, you know, Columbus, we we really do have a lot of guys that have had a big impact in, in, in baseball. Why did
0: you choose football. Columbus?
1: So this is funny. So actually, uh, I went to Carver Middle School. Okay, with Omar Amari. You know, our, Omar our Murray, Omar, um, what a legend, Omar Murray and, and Marty over So we uh, we're at we're at we're at Carver in eighth grade doing our thing over there. And then, uh, you know, we thought we were going to go to Gables. We thought we we're you know, we studied French in middle school at Carver. And we're like, oh, we're going to go to Gables do the IB program or whatnot. And then my mom was kind of like, hey, uh, you know, I don't think you're going to going to Gables. We're going to, you know, I think, you know, I want you to go to private school. So I actually took the test to go to Belen, but didn't get in at the Good
2: time. Good for you.
1: Good for you. Congratulations. <laughs> so um, I had uh, I had a buddy, David Torres, that uh, he had played football at uh, at Columbus. He was a year older than us. And I went one summer with him to, uh, I think it was his freshman team. I went to the campus just to watch practice. And I just saw, like, you know, camaraderie. I just saw guys getting, you know, I just saw, like, a big clubhouse, a big locker room. And I told my mom something like, hey, like, I'll go to Columbus. You know, and my grandparents agreed to pay. I forgot what it was at that time, you know. $6,700 a year. No, nah, I think it was cheaper than that.
0: no. By our senior year, it was 6700 a year, I'm pretty sure.
1: So whatever it was, my grandparents... I think, I
0: think at the beginning, it was like forty eight a yeah. year. But now I know it's like
1: fifteen yeah. grand a year. Yeah. Inflation. It's gone yeah. About- yeah. It's yeah. also been 20 years. But whatever, we'll get into that later. It's fine. So my grandparents have agreed, you know, All right, we're going to pay monthly, whatever it is. You know, this is for you. You're going to go there or whatnot. And I honestly didn't even know it was, a, you know, a sports school. And had a, I had no idea about a sports tradition. And then uh, somebody I played with that international at the time at the boys club was like, hey, if you're going to go to Columbus next year, you're gonna, you you want to play baseball. Obviously, I'm like, yeah, I want to, you know, I'll try out for baseball. I want to, you know, play a bunch of sports. He's like, well, you have to play, you know, web ball in the summer. And I was oh, like, oh, web, web ball, And I'm like, what's web ball? You know, like, what, what are you talking about? Like summers, I'm trying to like, you know, hang out or do whatever. And uh, I right. you know you got to do web ball. So that was my first, you know, I got thrown into the fire. I played web ball. And I remember, uh, I'll never forget this, it was, uh, you know, I'm in public school, middle school, so we got out. What's his name? Joe Weber, right? Joe Weber. Yeah. Joe Weber. Still doing it, still doing I it. I know he's still doing it. Still doing it. It's crazy. It. So I had, uh, I got, I forgot what happened, like the varsity had a split squad or something happened like that, where I had an opportunity to go play with uh, one of the, um, the split squad uh, team. So I'll never forget, the game was at Sunset at 3 o'clock. You know, I'm in middle school, still, you know, school gets out at 3.45 my grandfather picks me up early from school to go to a game. And I'm like, you know, what's going on here? This is, a, you know, I've never done this before. So I showed up there, and like you said, like it, it was just like, you know, I'm this new kid, and you know, I'm playing center field, leading off, and like it's like varsity team, and I'm in eighth grade. And, you know, these guys are all in, and then, you know, everyone's like, who's this kid? You know? Yeah. And I'll never forget. I had, I mean, I had never seen, you know, pitching that fast, and like I'll never forget, I struck out three times. Uh, to, to you know, my first year at bat, struck out three times, and I was like, wow, this is crazy. And I just saw like how intense columbus baseball was and like yeah what this was really about and how it's like hey if you come here like you got to perform you got to you know get it together so that was kind of my introduction to, to columbus and columbus baseball was that, that summer there in eighth grade eighth grade god eighth bless grade. you and then
0: so you had already decided you were going to go to columbus
1: yeah i knew i was going there regardless i mean that wasn't you know i wasn't you know oh i'm going to go here for for you know sports or for, for this or that i'm like i'm going here because i want to go you know for the education and, there was and go there was
0: sport. a lot of shit when we were in high school and i'm sure it still happens now it's like you know uh, kid ends up going somewhere else because someone else started over him, or you know they're not giving him the amount of PT that he wants, or whatever. I'm sure it's still the same way now. I mean, I wouldn't doubt it, but I felt like there was a lot of that. In, I mean, there was a lot of it in football too. You know, that's what kind of fucked us our senior year. But, um, yeah. What was the the first year? Because first year you were on varsity, pretty much. No, no, no.
3: That's
1: so, uh, crazy. so yeah. So I uh, actually was on the freshman team my freshman year. I wasn't even on JV, so, uh, you know, I was on the freshman team, and I think that's where kind of, like, we talked about the work ethic and, like, just seeing stuff that we saw when we were younger, and that's when it hit me, you know, I, I, didn't, make, I didn't make JV, which was, it was a goal of mine, and I said, okay, what do I got to do? You know, that's the first time I had to look at myself in the mirror and be like, all right, what do I got to do if I want to get to this point, point? and that's when I started working on the mornings, so I would go to the mornings, work out with Pete Rodriguez, we'd, we'd go hit the gym. Pete! Yeah. Pete was shredded when he was like twelve. Still shredded. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> crazy. Still just as shredded. Doing jujitsu now. Just, just it? killing it. Yeah, no killing it. So Pete, you know, we'd go work out before school, and that's where I just, you know, started getting stronger, faster, you know, all that stuff. And and then, you know, sophomore year was my first year in the varsity.
0: You ever you ever heard that story about Kobe when he um, when he was a kid? Like this is like pretty sure like middle school Kobe. He was like um, he did like a summer league, and he was the worst player on his team. You ever heard that story? I haven't heard that one. Worst player on his team. He, I mean, I heard it was an interview with him. That's why I, I heard the story. And he was the worst player on his team. And he, like, had the least points on his team. And he was like, I just need to, like, outwork all these people. And he talks about the story. Like, he goes into the whole year or whatever, and he's just like, I just need to work and keep on working, keep on working. Like, maybe next year, maybe next year I'll be, like, on the top half. And he just, like, he worked so hard that he wasn't on the top half. He was a leading scorer the next year. And he ran the team the next year. And it was like you know, it just goes to show. Like, you put put the work in.
1: I mean, more often than not, you're going to get the result. Absolutely, I think, and that's a common denominator in successful people, right? Like, you, you rarely hear the story of a guy that's like, "Oh yeah, I built this business, or I did this, or I was successful," and, and anything that didn't work hard and right. And it's kind of you know, it's you get that- the people that are lucky.
0: Yeah, You know, but sometimes luck is preparation when it meets opportunity. Absolutely. You know, like, it's just, it, it's like a whole, like, compounding effect. So you didn't get on varsity till your sophomore year?
1: Sophomore year I was on varsity, yeah. And how was that? Amazing. I mean, um, you know, I was just so happy just, you know, be on varsity, you know, get to get the varsity jacket and just, you know, get to wear that uniform. I think, uh, you know, I took a lot of pride in just knowing, like, all right, you know, get on this team and it's, it's going to start a lot of good things. And I think at that time... You know, I saw. Okay, if you can go to Columbus and you can leave Columbus, you know, starting in varsity as a senior, or whatever, you're gonna have a chance to go to college. And that was always my goal, right? I wanted. You know, I was like, all right, how am I gonna go to college? How am I gonna pay for college? So I was like, I need to get a college scholarship. I got to do it through baseball. That's my biggest. You know, that's my biggest skill I got going for me. So I got to take advantage of it. And and I saw guys. You know, when I was a sophomore, Matt Barquette was going to UM the next year. Matt Barkett. Matt Barquette. Man, Legends. I haven't heard
0: that name in twenty years. So, you know,
1: we had guys. You know, we had guys going everywhere all the time. So. You know, I, I think I really looked up to that where I saw Matt and you know I got to see him every day and see him work and see him play and it's like all right, you know if I can just you know do well here and, and you know get my when I get my chance to start like you said when if I'm ready for the opportunity if, I, if I'm prepared then I'm gonna have a chance to you know fulfill my goal of going to college and like I said it's all timing and you know everything worked out where you know I was able to play I think I played the second half of sophomore year and I uh, got to start second half so I got to play in the GMAC finals which was like you know nerve wracking you know I'm, I'm 15 years old out there in, like, Columbus baseball and, and, and starting out there for the county championship. And just, like, it, it you know, I think half of Miami's there to go see us. They, they want us to lose, and, and, and you're out there just. They always want Columbus to lose. It was awesome. The best. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's where, you know, all those little moments really started building to, like, to the point where I'm at now. But that's where, where it all started was right there.
0: I think it's, mm-hmm. a, like, you know, I didn't play it down for varsity tool our senior year, like, at all. I mean, I'm not like I was never physically gifted ever at all whatsoever. So, like, you know, I played D-line. I was like, I'm five, eight, maybe, you know, like at that time I weighed like 245, slow. And by the time, like, you know, I, I had to work. I mean, I, I worked my way from being like an incredible non-athlete to still a non-athlete, but I knew how to play ball. Like, I didn't play it down on varsity till senior year. But it was like so worth it. I ended up paying, playing four years of varsity in college, huh. so it's like, you know, you put in the effort. It may take a little more time, but you know, usually the result is there. It's it's very interesting. Like kids nowadays, like they really want like everything like tomorrow. Right. Yeah, putting in the time is like it's a, it's a. I feel like it's like a yesterday's idea. Right. So, sophomore year, played
1: the second half on varsity. What was junior year like? Junior was awesome. Um, that was one of the best, most fun. I think where I learned the most about what a team is and chemistry and all that. You know, we had our seniors, or you know, Alex Meneses, Mike Lopez, Cesar Aaron-Gurin, and They just really know how to get guys together and and make feel make everybody feel comfortable. And it was just a, a great group of guys. Uh, you know, we fell short that year uh, to Southridge. We lost on a one hitter, oh. uh, which was an incredible game, regional finals and. I mean, it was just such a good team. It was a good group of guys. Everybody worked. Everybody got along. It was just like one of the, like, those happy moments when you think about that group of guys and like the summers and just all the time we spent together. It was just a lot, a lot of fun. It was, it was super cool. And, you know, I got my first opportunity to start from the beginning of the year. So that was awesome. I got to play center field, start every day at Columbus, which is, you know, it was, you know, at that time, I was like, all right, man, this is, you know, keep, keep on this path and you're going to be all right. And, you know, just kept my, you know, my head down and kept working and, and kind of doing the same thing. And then the big year that led to like several
0: more big years after was our senior year, which was amazing. I mean, I remember, I mean, obviously I was watching from the stands, but
1: I mean, that was like an incredible story. Yeah, it was amazing. You know, senior year, we went went on to win states and it was just, it was awesome. Uh, We won states and, you know, the season, uh, you know, it worked out just, you know, from all those other years where we kind of fell short in the, at the end or whatnot, like that that year we made it a point, all right, we can't, you know, this is our last chance, this is our last chance. And, and that's how every practice was, every, uh, you know, starting the fall, every game, and, you know, we won the state championship. And, you know, the coolest thing about that was, you know, we missed graduation, but we graduated on the field after we won the state championship. So that was, like, yeah, one of the that. best memories ever right there. When did you get an offer
0: to... I'll take another. Nick, you want one? Uh, yeah, but I'll do a cheap and brown. Yeah, give Nick a cheap and brown. You want anything? Cheap and brown. I'll get a. Oh yeah, we're gonna a- we're gonna get into this in a second, but I'll give you this now. Just for me, one more, and then a cheap and brown and for cheap Nick. And brown.
1: Right away. Thank you. Um. So when did U.M. come into the picture? <laughs> yeah. So that was a. Uh, you know. Uh, did well my junior year, and then um, that summer in junior year, they can call like in July, I think it was, and they, they called, and right away I was like, yeah, I'm all in. Like, when in December? In July. In July. In July. July. before senior year, they called and oh, before senior year. Yeah, before senior year, yeah, oh, I committed right that up. summer before, and they called, Wait, then, and he, um, this
4: guy brought the uh, point that thing toward the camera, dude.
1: I did that. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not good at the ads thing. I'm doing my best here. So, um, so yeah, so coming to Miami uh, that that summer before, and then. Um, Yeah, it was it was crazy knowing, you know, senior year that, you know, I was going to go to U.M. And but the biggest goal that year was, you know, to win that state championship. And and that's where, you know, we were able to get there, which was it was it was sick. And when you went into U.M., U.M. baseball
0: was like, I mean, legendary shit. Yeah, it was hot. It was hot. It was it was definitely a hot, a hot thing. And then and then you I mean, I I remember because obviously I was I was in Virginia when you were at U.M., so, like, all I remember was hearing of, like, this, like, lore of John Jay at UM. <laughs> like, just, like, running train on all of UM baseball. And I'm like, man, shit's crazy. <laughs> is, that a, is that an expression we use? Running
4: train? Yeah. We did in 2003. I don't <laughs> know. I <laughs> about 2023. I'm, I'm asking whether uh, uh, Pankong Podcasts use that. No, yeah, we do. Okay, cool. Yeah, we do. I just want to make sure. I don't want to get in trouble later with the D.S. No, or- tell me Tell me what UM was like.
1: Yeah, so the crazy part was like, you know, when I committed to UM, there's, I mean, I was probably like eighth on the depth chart or something like that, and everyone thought I was crazy for going there, they're like, you know, you're gonna go there, why are you gonna go there, you're never gonna play, you know, like, it was just like, this is where I want to be, this is my goal, and honestly, like, you know, as a kid, like, you know, you you play basketball growing up, and you're like, I want to go to the NBA, or whatever the case may be, but like, for me, like, I want to go to UM. that was like, if I go to UM, it's like, like, this is it, like, I'm, I'm good after this, so, that was really, you know, I want to be, I want to wear those colors so bad, so, you know, getting there, uh, it was crazy, you know, a couple guys got hurt, a couple guys transferred, next thing you know, you know, just worked, 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 and then I'm starting from day one, which was like, I was like, wow, oh, this is crazy. As a freshman? As a freshman. Man, wild. Which is crazy, which is crazy, where I was like, man, I, I, like, I, I literally went into UM thinking, like, all right, if I have to redshirt as a freshman, I don't care, you know? Right. You know, right now, nowadays, you know, guys are like, oh, I want to play right away, and this and that, it's like, it's like look, just let me get there, I'll, I'll work, I'll learn, I'll get bigger, stronger, faster, better, and... So it was crazy that I got to start from day one.
0: What was the name of the coach at UM at that time? Jim
1: Morse. Jim Morris. That's right. Jim Morse, yeah. And they're just coming off of going to the College World Series. I mean, had a, you know, I mean, I ended up, I think I played with 13 guys at UM that played in the big leagues. Wow. Just at UM in that time. So and you know, these are practices where, you know, everyone's talking shit. It was just like I love that. It was amazing. It was amazing. You know, it I love was amazing. That. I mean, Danny Gill that went to Columbus with us, you know, he he had an incredible career at UM. You know, and he was my roommate. You know, I remember, you know, I get a hit off him and get to first and look at him and like, you know, take that or whatever. The case. And it was just like it was always back and forth. It was always like we used to joke around where like our practices were harder than our games. Like when the games came around and, you know, whatever team came in, it's like we were so confident. We were, you know, we had driven each other crazy during the, their practices that the games were almost it was a little bit easier for us. What were some of the highlights and lowlights? Tell me the high. Well, let's talk about lowlights
0: first from UM in those four years before we get into the highlights. Like, what were some things that you were like, man, I wish that would have gone differently, or, um, you know, this went super sideways, I didn't expect it to go that way, or whatever, in those four years?
1: I think, honestly, um, I was pretty lucky, you know, just, I mean, just normal life, you know, you're a kid, you're you're trying to grow up, and I'd say the hardest part for me was, you know, I go to college, right, I'm here at UM at home, so... You know, you have your friends from high school, right? You have your friends from growing up. Then you're in college now, so you have a new team. And then, right. you know, the land... And you're trying, to, you're trying to be part of the team. Trying to be part of the team. So, you know, we're, we have 6 a.m. workouts. Then I'm at, I'm in school from, you know how it is, from 8 to 12. Yeah. And then go back to the field from 2 to 6. And you have study hall. And it's like, you know, and the same thing with the family, right? Where, you know, it's it's a cousin's birthday or it's an aunt's birthday or, or whatever's going on. It's like, well, I have practice and I have all these. So for me, being at home and at that young age, really... Learning how to juggle all that, you know, which was what the, you know, but it taught me early on, like, you know, having tough conversations, you know, like like talking with my mom and be like, hey, mom, look, you know, I can come do this this day, I can come do this that day, but, you know, I have practice and I have these different things, so I can't commit to, you know, I know those are cousins, but I can, you know, like, so that was really when I, you know, had to start making those kind of sacrifices, which were. This
0: is a major league baseball player. We're not getting <laughs> cheap and brown. What's wrong with you? Cheap <laughs> <laughs> and brown is for the producer. Come on. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man.
3: There it is. All the sound Thank you.
1: And then, highlights at UM. Oh, man. Every day. You know, every day I got to play in front of my f- friends, family, and at home. You know, it's, it's I think UN. I went to like five games when love yeah, Yeah.
0: Pretty sure. I mean, because I was in Virginia, but, you know, I. Sp- Tried to come home as much as I could, and I'm pretty sure I saw five games when you were there.
1: That was awesome. And I remember at the time on um, off of Ponce, the batting cages were outside. They have a brand new, unbelievable facility now, but they're outside and the hedges. Of course it. now, of course now. Right, like Columbus. It's like Columbus. Of course exactly. now. We went to stay. No, but you guys got you guys, then,
0: sh- No, hold on. You guys got lucky with the new field while we were there. No. Yeah, you did. They got of? it right after
1: us. We won, and then they got the new field. Was that the year after? We yeah. Oh got? four got it. Oh <laughs> four got it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh four That's got kind the nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's have fun. you seen? It just whatever.
0: We cut this out. Have you seen like the, the weight room and shit? <laughs> it's fucking wild. It's, it's like there's D one programs that don't have that. Ridiculous. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, I, I remember when I judged the pig roast last year. I'm just walking around like, where the fuck am I? Like I hadn't been back in probably a decade. Oh no, then you're gonna freak out. You freak out. And I walked in there and I'm like, there's a garage back here. There's a this weight room. The like I was like, this shit's fucking crazy, dog. <laughs> Anyways. Um, tell me about like the again the highlights obviously like every day is a highlight but what are like maybe like three things that stand out like something that maybe still affects you to this day whether
1: it's sports wise personal wise whatever it may be from um so I just say like being able to say you know like I, that I played baseball at the University of Miami like that's like you know like you said that you know it's a super rich program just like so many big leaders that have played there and it's almost like you know, I remember going to summer ball and being a stand in Stanton, Virginia, and, like, every time they announced my name, like, oh, now batting John Jay from the University of Miami. It was always, like, almost, everybody wanted to know, like, hey, what's UM? Like, hey, what's, what's – oh, my God, I can't believe you're there. So, like, I think that – and that still happens to this day. To this day, it still happens where, you know, I go to places and like, man, what was UM? Like, that's amazing. Like, orange and green, the hurricanes. I, I love the hurricanes and stuff like that. So, I think that was, like, a, you know, the, the biggest one from that. And I think also just uh, it really taught me how to, like, you know, time management, like you said, like, you know, from the lows of. Having to deal with all this stuff and and really figuring that out where it it helped me out later on. I always said, you know, the hardest thing to do with anything is, you know, control your phone, control your schedule and, you know, do all these things. And that really taught me how to like be on point with stuff because I had to be effective. And I'm 19, 20 years old.
3: Understanding like, hey, no, I can't
1: do this. Hey, I have to do this. And and it really helped me for, you know, getting to my professional life. Can I tell you a funny
0: side note? When I was in college because um, i obviously had no money whatsoever i started i was working at an applebee's but i also had a side gig calling baseball games for the uh for the team that's right awesome. so it was on radio and obviously like on speakers and stuff. i i called baseball games and i called basketball games and man it was they were always so early and i was always so hungover <laughs> and i would always fuck up everyone's name and it was such a fucking train wreck i still i remember it to this day like i remember Calling one game and I'm like sweating hard, and it was like, dude, how did I get myself into this predicament? But it was <laughs> that was actually Nick. That was actually what led us to uh, Pankum Podcast today. That there was go. My first foray with any kind of like um, microphone in front of my face.
3: Yeah.
4: I, I want to. Uh, I think we have a caller. We have a caller. Yeah. No, if Mario's calling, hang <laughs> up. Sorry, I think this is happening. <laughs> okay.
0: Can you actually like patch him in? I'm pretty sure. Oh, man, this is crazy. i take is... a drink for this one. Yeah, you better. Oh, but I can't hear him. Hold on. Where is he? H- Hello? Hello? Wow, I can hear Mario in my <laughs> headphones and I want to die right
2: Mario, now. Mario, can you, can
4: you hear us right now?
2: I can hear you guys, yeah
0: I can Wow, this is what up, fucking Marty?
4: incredible We have a uh, past podcast guest uh, Frontman of <laughs> Problem Kids And famed shirtless Michelin star rapper <laughs> Mario <laughs> Obregón on the line Also a classmate of uh, Michael Beltran and John Jay uh, Mario had some things that he wanted to make sure were included in the discussion
2: Wow, go on Hey, hey guys, how are you? Thank, thank you for having me Thank you for having me
4: I don't even know how the fuck this happened and
0: we're gonna have to discuss if we could do this another time after. But go on. I, I wanna know what hey, you want to add to this podcast. It, just take
2: it easy. Just just let just let it happen, man. Just let let it, happen. it happen. Relax.
0: That sounds creepy.
2: You've heard I know you've heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, I just wanted to ask if you guys have talked about yet. Um, when me and Jay were young kids, we were playing one day at Southwest Park baseball. And uh <laughs> He hit a fly ball, and he thought it was going to go over my head. And I turned around, as I did with my speed that I have <laughs> on the baseball. The speed. As as he hit it, uh, he thought, again, he thought I was going to go over my head and it. And then, all of a sudden, I turned into Ken Griffey Jr.,
3: right. the
2: Cuban version. Uh-huh. Caught the ball over my shoulder, and Jake cried. I don't know if you guys have talked about that at all, because I know it was big in his Trajectory of baseball, his baseball career, and it was a moment. So I just wanted to know if you guys
0: before uh, Jay answers the question,
2: I want to know if at this point in your
0: life you still had hair. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't know if the fact that you were bald at that time actually helped your speed.
2: I was. No, no, I, I actually had a I had a mushroom cut and I had chest hair, and it was I was about ten years old.
1: Ahead <laughs> of the game.
2: I look like I look like Nick looks on Instagram with the chest hair, but at like ten morning. years old.
1: Well, No, that, that that moment changed my life. I think that that was a moment where you know I learned like there's no crying in baseball. I can't I can't get upset. And if you watch me play after that, I always exactly. try to you know keep my calm cool and collectiveness and i think marty till this day was on me when my career like every before every season would start he'd be like all right is this a year you're gonna get thrown out of a game are you gonna get thrown out of a game i need you to get thrown out of a game with an umpire i'm like marty i'm not gonna argue with the umpires i'm gonna take my you know take the strike out even if it's 10 inches off the plate i'm gonna walk there but i learned that moment that day but why why would you want him to get kicked yeah. out of a game
2: I just wanted to see, you know, I wanted to see him get thrown out, get fired up at the, the end. You wanted just, to see you know, the fire. Do it. But, exactly. But, but now I want you guys to know one of the main reasons that he took the coaching job with the Marlins is now, now, boys <laughs> is when he's going to get thrown out of a couple of games. It all, it all comes full circle. It all comes full circle. Now you're going to see at least two or three ejections this year. That's the over-under we got. If anybody wants to put a couple of wagers in, hit me up.
0: I mean, uh, the the fact that John, uh, like Jay, is on
1: first base, the Marlins may actually get me to a game this year. Let's go. <laughs> they Let's May go. actually get me to Let's a go. game this year. And and another side note, Marty, uh, Marty also helped me with you know you know coaches are gonna are gonna get on you in your career you know when you're playing or whatever but. You know, Marty was on me since third grade on the basketball court because I didn't know what I was doing. I just run around the court. And to this day, he still yells at me on the court.
0: I mean, my, the thing is, Mario didn't really know what he was doing on the court either. And he still doesn't. But it's cute that he, like, tells you what you should be doing. He's a courtside legend. Exactly. A court-side legend, Right.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yes. Infamous. Infamous. You guys, man, how's the podcast going? This is great. We can talk. Like, we can shoot the
0: shit after. We're in the middle of something very serious right
2: now. Is Jay, but is Jay giving you like answers or is he like doing like the media in baseball? We're yeah? half and half, bro. We're half and we half again. Getting...
0: The thing is he's in his first we're glass half... of tequila, like let me get him two more and then maybe I'll get him a little like sauced up.
2: Uh, okay, yeah. Get him five, get him we're a little Say some things he's never said before. Hey, I love you guys. I love you guys, Blow back freestyle. Yeah. All day, baby. All day.
0: <laughs> Holy shit. Anyways Thanks, uh, Marty, for calling
4: in and adding to the podcast. You told that him to from, call? Well, I mean, we have this fucking thing Oh, now. Like That's because like like he I like you just been, wanted to try that, that no, You've you been, been, been begging anything. me for call-ins for two years. That's also fair. Now, yeah, come on. This was the perfect situation.
0: It was. Yeah, that was a good trial run. I like that. I nice. like that. Uh, I'm, I'm ready for hard-hitting questions in the middle of like live things. I'm ready for that. Um, <laughs> College. Highlights? We talk about highlights?
1: Also, Oh, so wait, wait. So to go back to the low light. So a big low light in college that stuck me forever is we're playing at UF, you know, the Florida Gators. Huge oh, rivalry. Huge rivalry. Got it. And I remember a bunch of the guys from school being out there, uh, like Greg LeBess. A couple of guys were out there. Greg r- LeBest Rooting me on out there, you know, Gators. And um, it was crazy. Talk about highs and lows. I remember we were maybe down a run, sixth inning. I tied up the game with a hit. Cool, whatever. We're down another run in the ninth inning. I tied up the game with another hit. Well, here comes the 11th inning, and it's bases loaded, two outs. They're hitting a lazy fly ball to to left field. And here I come in and just clanker, clanker, game over. UF wins. I'm just sitting there like, wow, I just lost us a game on a fly ball. Like, can of corn, easiest fly ball there is, just lost it right there. So that was like. One of the toughest moments in my career. Isn't it crazy
0: how that like lives in your mind forever, forever, forever. forever. You'll never let that fly ball
1: drop out of your glove ever, again. ever, ever again. No, I had thoughts in the big leagues where like I'd be out there and like that would literally like creep in my like that ha- like you're in the zone and then like that like little millisecond is like you have fly ball, don't do it, don't. Do it. And then phew, I well, you the know that's here,
0: why bro. failure sometimes is good. That's everything. I mean, failure sometimes is good, and that like one oh, man. Woof, stuff like that haunts me to this day. Just like the stupidest like little... Um, yeah, I got this. like, Oh, fuck. And then you lose to the Gators. It's not like you're losing to like... I don't know. Middle Tennessee State. So you lose to the Gators. And it's like, fuck, man. And it's like, all they have in UF is sports. That's it. They have nothing else in that town.
1: Just sports. And I remember it was a day game. So we had some time after that. Go eat or do whatever. And I remember going out to eat with the boys, and, like, I, I just remember, like, feeling like everyone was just staring at me the whole time. Like, oh, like, oh, there's that guy that dropped the ball. Like, I just had that feeling. I remember I was like, yeah, I got to get out of here, because I'm, like, I was just not a happy person at the time. And then we get back to school on Monday, and a teammate of mine, Danny Valencia, that ended up playing the big leagues for a long time,
4: you know, he's he's, uh, you know, he's talking know, everyone
1: talking the fast. And somebody asked him in class, like, hey, you know, I saw you guys, uh, you know, you guys lost that game at UF. They're like, who's the loser that dropped the fly ball on the team? And he just, he just gave me one of these, like, that guy right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just sitting there in their class. I'm like, I'll never forget, just like waving at the student, like, yeah, that was me, and they didn't know. They're just like, yeah, oh my god, what just happened here? Yeah. yeah, awesome. Highlights though,
0: like, what was the number one highlight, sports wise, from your four years there? Because you did break a lot of records when you were there, yeah. <laughs>
1: You how, how many records did you break when you were there? No, I don't know how many. I know. I, I know. I, I hope, don't know how many. You know what it is that you say? I don't know how many no, records. No, I don't have ever. records like that. No, it's not like that. The one record I do have is a hit by pitch record, and I take a lot of pride in that. <laughs> I I got hit by pitch the most in the history of the program. <laughs> I mean, give Annie. What are you doing? Okay.
0: All right. Give me the like your number,
1: number one highlight. Oh, Number one personal highlight, I hit a walk-off Grand Slam against Long Beach State, and that was when they had like, I mean, on, on the field, there was probably 22 guys that played in the big leagues. I think it was like 22 or 23 guys that played in the big leagues. Between Long teams. Beach State? It was in Who? Miami against Long Beach State. Who the fuck is Long Beach State? Long Beach State, man. Jerry Weaver, Troy Tulewitsi, these guys, were, they were nasty. Really good I, team. I've never even heard of that school. That's like an actual school? That's a baseball school right there. Ah, it's big a baseball school. Base, baseball school. school. There yeah. it is. They don't that, have a football team. That's why you don't know about it. Yeah, that's so true. So that yeah. one, um, I'd say, um, just like a, per, like a personal one, was uh, my junior year. Our, our junior year, we lost a bunch of guys to the draft that were in the first round and ended up playing the big leagues, all that. And we had a young team. And just getting to Omaha, day, to the College World Series, was like huge. Because we didn't start off hot. And then we, we caught fire and just took off. And... There was a lot of stuff that went on behind the scenes, and that was like one of my my proudest moments in college with that junior. Year you like, young team, no expectations, and oh, then we man. we got to the College World Series. Grand so, Slam sounds like a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun, but I'd rather I'd rather be on you know ESPN at the World Series. Yeah, like, I know, the, but like right. Right? a walk off Grand Slam like that's pretty dope. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it was it was it was it was it was crazy that you know of, of all you know I was in a home run hitter for me to hit a home run and walk off. That was like it was how many cool. home runs did you have in your whole life? All oh, my whole life, man, fifty maybe in your whole life my whole life and imagine I'm at 60 give me a little bit more okay. 60 how many years did
0: you play ball in a 20 year period from being a kid kid to like all your years in the majors
1: how many years did you play ball 5 to 36 so 31, so 31 years 31 years
0: 60, 60 home runs. Your two average is, is two and a quarter.
1: Two, two and a quarter a year, you know? <laughs> wasn't my thing. wasn't my thing.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you have home run hitters and people who yeah. get on base. Yeah,
1: and it goes back to my grandfather. It's funny. The only thing he used to tell me in baseball was like, hey, just try to get two hits a game. Two hits a game. That's it. And I was like, all right, I'm going to try to get two hits a game. That's all he would say to me. doesn't matter how you do it, just get two hits a game, and you'll be all right. <laughs> I
0: mean, it, the idea worked. I mean, it worked. So after senior year... Tell me, like, what, like, the whole, like, draft. Oh, it's crazy. Because, like, baseball draft is, like, so different than NFL draft. It's just, like, it seems like a foreign idea And when you get into the business side of, like, professional baseball and the whole thing. Like, tell me about what, from the draft process through the first three years, like, three years was like.
1: Yeah, so the draft, well, first it starts before the draft, you know, uh, I had to get an advisor or an agent, you know, an advisor agent. And I remember my mom was like, "Why are you going to get an advisory? And I'm like, "No, mom, I have a chance to get drafted this year. This is how like my family was just like hands off. Like, hey, you're going to go to school, you're going to get an education. Like, you're doing well in baseball, and then I had to sit down and explain to them like, no, I have a chance to get drafted. I have a chance to go play pro ball. And they're like, like "You?" I'm like, "Yeah." I have a to do this. <laughs> "You?" What do you mean, "You?" I'm like, "Yeah, I have a chance to do this." So I remember at the time my mom was like, "No, you're going to finish school." I'm like, mom, but this is the way it works. Like, you go to dream, you have leverage, and you know you get in the system you know, or whatnot, and then. I remember telling them like, "Oh, I'm meeting with my advisor. She's like, Well, why do you need that? And I, no, they negotiate contracts and this whole thing. So it was really a learning process and a lot of communication and all this. But so, um, yeah, I ended up getting drafted. Uh, so it was my junior year I got drafted um, to the Cardinals and. That's it. So I got drafted, and we were actually still in regionals. So we hadn't, you know, we hadn't gone to the World Series yet. We're still, we're still. Part so you got drafted while you were in college. While I was in college. Wild. Yeah. yeah. So you're still in regionals, and then uh, so was, what? What round did you get drafted? I got drafted in the second round, last pick of the second round.
0: But there's like a, an amazing amount of rounds in baseball.
1: Yeah, it's gotten cut down now, but at that time there was fifty rounds.
0: Fifty rounds. Fifty rounds.
1: Yeah. 50 I mean, rounds. you were drafted in the second round. That's yeah. a big fucking deal. It was cool. It was awesome. It was amazing. And especially, Wild. you know, so in baseball you have the chance to get drafted out of high school. And I wasn't drafted out of high school. I wasn't really considered to get drafted out of high school. So to go from that to the point that I got to my junior year was like something that like I was incredibly proud of. So, and I guess that's, that's another highlight from from, from Fuck yeah. Huge, <laughs> uh, yeah! huge no, highlight. No,
0: you're not gonna get drafted to like drafted in the second round yeah. going into your going into your senior year or junior. Year? That was at, that was during my junior. junior during my during. junior. year. So yeah. So uh, after we. So when you play, sorry. So when you play your senior year, you have already been drafted by the Cardinals. Yes.
1: Fucking why? Well, no, for for two weeks. This is the, the draft happens in June, so it's at the end of the season. So it's at the end of the season. Okay. Yeah. So it's the end of the season. So you build up the season, then you get drafted at the end. Yeah. And then you have to kind of make the decision. All right, am I gonna go back to school? Oh, so am then, I not then you to school, have to like leave early or not? And, and do all that though. So right. Uh, right. I mean, I knew I was gonna go, especially um, you know where I got where I got drafted as a junior and, and all that. So I'll never forget. My agent was like, "Oh, how much time do you want to take off?" Or when I was like, "Oh, you know, let me give me like you know five days, six days to kind of just like." chill because, you know, starting my freshman year, you'd have the season at UM, then you go play summer ball. And I literally would go to summer ball, like, right after the season and get home, like, two days before the semester would start. And the same thing my sophomore year. Sophomore year, same thing, um, I left and then I I got to play on the USA team, which is unbelievable.
0: Oh, I remember that.
1: Yeah, so I got to travel and I think for me, that was the first time that I was around, like, You know, the guys that you read about your whole life. Like you're in high school and you're reading about like ex player, you're like, Wow, that oh this guy, you know, you're 15. Tell me the one player that you're like, fuck Drew Stubbs. I mean, I knew about Drew Stubbs since I was fourteen years old. He was the guy that everybody talked about. It was like he was he went to the University of Texas, like, you know, the guy, you know, center fielder, just did it all so Ended up meeting him there, and, you know, you're playing alongside these guys. So that gave me, that gave me the confidence of, like, man, I'm, I'm here with, like, the dudes, you know. So, like, that was that was something that's cool. And it's cool, Drew Stubbs, like, we're still really tight to this day. And that's, that's cool. cool. And, um, you know, he had a great career, too, in, in the big leagues, and we got to hang out a bunch. Uh, you know, we played against each other and you know, whatnot. So I made a lot of really good friendships that summer. But so going back to that, you know, we, I wouldn't have a break. Like, so I'd go to USA team, get back, two days, college starts. So that year, I was like, yeah, I'll well, five, days, five days off, and they're like, well, the Cardinals say, you know, if you want to go to Low A, which was it was a big deal because I was skipping a, a couple levels, and I'll get into that now. Um, you got to go in two days, or if not, they're gonna send you to Rookie Ball. If you want to wait a week because of number crunching and you know roster spots and all that, so I was like, man, I, I was like, all right, so I'll, I guess I'll be there in two days. So the way baseball works is you get drafted, and then there's there's levels, right? There's Rookie Ball, there was Low A, High A, Double A, Triple A, and then obviously the big league. So you know, I got to skip Rookie Ball and then go straight to Low A which was a, it was you know a big deal at the time or whatnot. so um i went there and i i i arrive at south bend indiana you Oof. know after coming from uh, you know miami you know miami kid and all that whatever and uh we get there and you know the minority isn't fun you know you're staying at you know not so nice hotels and there's not a uh, you know food available after the games, and that times we didn't have Uber Eats or DoorDash or anything like that. So, wow, we sound like relics. But go on. you know, <laughs> yeah, or like Ubers, you know, like oh, I want to go eat somewhere. I don't have a car. Oh, I'm gonna Uber here, you know. Like, there, that didn't exist. So like we literally like get after a game and like find out oh there's a Waffle House two miles down. Oh, Waffle House Take this the best. street, take a corner, you know, t- turn, oh, it was awesome. It was awesome at 21. It was yeah, awesome. now I I'm I'm still at 37. I love Waffle House. Yeah. Waffle House yeah. is like my favorite. It was great, it was great. But, you know, I, I just can't do that every day now, like I did no. back then. <laughs> no. So, um, so that's it. So, I go to, we go, we're in, we're in um, South Bend, Indiana, and I'm, I'm in pro ball. You know, I'm in pro ball, just thrown into the fire. And then, you know, a lot comes with, you know, coming from Miami, you know, you're a second-round draft pick. So, you know, everything is published with us as, as far as how much money you get and all that. So, you know, you walk in a clubhouse, and guys know exactly what you signed for. They know just everything about you on, on that standpoint. So, there's, you know, always that pressure of, like, oh, you know, this is a guy that, you know, they gave a bonus to or you know. He went to UM or whatnot, so, you know, I go to a brand new team, and, and um, yeah, it was uh, interesting to say to say the least. What was the most interesting about it? I think that whole thing of, like, trying to figure out where you're going to eat and, you know, the hotels and the travel, you know, you're, you're playing a game, you're getting out at 11, 12 o'clock, and then you're going on a, you know, 10-hour bus ride through the night to the next city and then waking up and playing again. So, you know, you're just dealing with, and, you know, this is the first time where you're playing with guys from, you know, all over the world, you know, I had teammates from Venezuela, Dominican, um, you know, you got, you got your opinion against guys, you know, that they're telling you a city. And I'm like, man, I've never heard of that city before. And you get to learn their culture. So that was really when I like started, you know, really, you know, I'll, I'll get to know guys. You know, Hey, where are you from? And, you know, what are your culture? What's your culture? Like, what, uh, you know, how do you do things back home? And I, I just loved learning about like what different guys did and stuff like that. In the lower levels of ball, did you get like
0: some hate? Because, you know, you're drafting the second round? Whatever, whatever. Did you get like
1: people who hated on you because of that? For sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. They, they called us the, the bonus babies. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. And then for and then at that time, you know, I skipped levels, so they're like, oh, this guy signed the second round, and then he's skipping levels, like oh, you know who, you know who's this guy type of thing. And you know, you had guys like anything, guys had been working for a long time to get to that point. Um, that maybe took them two, three years after they signed to get that point. And here I am, I just signed and I'm freshly going to way. so you know, you kind of always felt that pressure. Then my my next year, especially where. I went from low A signing to my first full season going straight to double A. So, you know, double A, triple A, and you're there in the big league. So, you know, usually you'd go to low A the first year. So I'm in double A now, and, you know, there's guys that are, I'm 21, there's guys that are 26, 27, 28 at the time, right. and, and they're just like, you know, look at this kid here, just, you know, oh, everything's good. So, what, what was the pressure like at that time? Like, for you, personally? No pressure. I've never put pressure on myself, you know, to this day. Just God like, bless you. Yeah, yeah just <laughs> like... Jesus Christ. Like... At that point, like, the pressure was just, like, I I think the way I alleviated pressure was by by going to work, you know, work ethic, just, like, putting my head down, you know, not worrying about, like... All these results that can happen But just like worried about Like if I dominate today And I dominate the next day And I just keep my head down Like you said Opportunities are going to come And if you're ready for them Then you'll take advantage of them So I really just That's all I've ever always focused on Was like You know Just take care of this Take care of this And, and just maximizing everything Like truly like Knowing like Alright I put everything into it And if it doesn't work out It doesn't work out And it wasn't because I didn't cover my bases With that stuff so
0: You know that's a skill right Like to, to not feel pressure That it crippled you. Like a lot of people Like crippled to the pressure yeah, yeah, For sure You know so that's You should be proud of yourself for that because it's like I've talked to so many people that like the the moment is too big for them. Mm -hmm. Even like when the moment isn't big, but it's like supposed to lead you to the next thing. thing, You know, it could be a lot for a lot of people. So
1: from this point. The next point was double A. Yeah, double A. And how was double A? So double A, you know, adversity. You know, so I um, I slid into the base. It's funny, coincidentally, I, I slid feet first, caught my arm, and uh, ripped out my labrum.
3: Mm.
1: So you know, everything's going good and and all that. And I didn't start off that season so hot. I mean, I wasn't hitting the first you know month of the season or whatnot. It was my first time playing in cold weather. I had no idea that you know they said the to Texas. I'm like, oh, we're going to Texas. It's going to be great. And we showed up and it's, it's snowing the first day, and I was like, whoa, what's going on here? So you know, just a lot of different changes and, and playing baseball in the cold isn't isn't a lot of fun. And that was really my first time doing it because you know I was so spoiled being down here in Miami playing at UM. So do that, and then having to deal with injury. You know, that was my first time. I, I really got hurt where I had to rehab and just kind of like, you know, get back on the grind of like, all right, I just got to get myself healthy. So. Um, I went back down to Florida. They sent me down to Jupiter to the, to the camp there and got my shoulder better. And then when my shoulder got better, my left shoulder shut down. on me. So then that was just kind of one of those years where, like, mentally, it was like, all right, you know, I can, you know, go here, I can go there, but I just, you know, just had to really bear down and, and, and you know, work hard. And that was my first really adversity in pro ball with my injury and all that stuff. So that was a. That was a year where, like, I, I thank God for that a lot because, you know, if I wouldn't have gotten hurt, I was sure that you'd really just get called up almost in two years if I would have just done my thing. And then, you know, that kind of knocked me back and, and kept me in the minor leagues a little bit longer than, you know, I would have wanted to, but it was the best thing for me where I was able to really just, you know, sharpen all my skills and, and be ready for the opportunity to get called up. When did you get called up? I got called up four years after that in 2010, April 26. So I was in AAA. We were playing in Oklahoma City against the Rangers. And I'll never forget my manager. Uh, How old were you at that point? I was 25 years old. 25. twenty-five years old. Yeah, I had just turned twenty-five in March, so it was April, and I get the call from my manager, and he's like, you know, he's like, hey, you're, you know, you're going up to the big leagues, which I was like, holy cow, like this is crazy. So um, I never forget calling my mom and just like crying, just like like we did it, like I'm I'm going up to the big leagues, like this is crazy, you know, calling all the all the all the boys, and just it was just a, one of those moments that like you know I you know you work so hard for and. Just like I said, like I'm I'm a very simple person, so just for me, just to say I played in the big leagues one day, it was like it was like I would never have dreamt this. So to get that call from me, it was like it was one of the most special days, you know. Is there like a phone call from that day that you remember the most? I'm calling my mom, I'm calling my mom and my grandparents for sure. What was their response? I mean, just you know, so happy and just you know, like you know, like we did this, like you know, all the sacrifice that they made taking me to this park and waking up in the morning. You know, I used to wake up my mom before school at Columbus and like, hey. You know, it wasn't like she put the alarm and got me up like I was the one putting the alarm and like, hey, mom, I got to go work out. Let's go do this. You know, and she was great about everything, making sure, I, you know, I got to wherever I needed to get to. So, you know, just really reflecting on all the sacrifice and the people that helped me get to that point. That was that was really what that day was about, for sure. So from that point, like, how does that work when they call you up? Like, what's next? All right, so he called me up, get on a plane, uh, show up. So I showed up in the third inning. So the, like
0: they send a plane for you, you just get on. No, plane. no, no. Like, I'm on a commercial plane. Here? Commercial
1: plane. Commercial plane. Okay. Uh, get your stuff, get your luggage, go to get your first flight out. And uh, I, I remember I landed. I think the game was at seven. I probably landed like at seven thirty or something like that in St. Louis. So I got to the game in the third inning. And you know you have Tony La Russa, legendary manager. You know Albert Pujols, Yadier Molina, like all these guys. I mean they're guys. They're, yeah. They're, they're hall they're, of famers. They're big guys. They're big guys. They're, big guys. Big they're hall, guys. hall of famers and like. Here I come in here just like wow like I really, like I'm here and it's it's shocking you know there's forty five thousand people in the stadium everyone's wearing all red it's St Louis like the you know one of the biggest baseball town, towns there are and I just remember just like going wow this is this is crazy like, I can't believe I'm here they' like, literally like pinch yourself off. Like, it was unreal and also like at that time like the Cardinals were you know they have such a rich tradition and like guys would get called up and you kind of get like a weird number like a sixty or like sixty three like non traditional baseball numbers because. They had so many guys and so many guys retired that all the numbers are taken. And I'll never forget, I showed up and I'm wearing number 15, which is like, I was like, wow, this is crazy. And like, 15 is my birthday number, a number I had worn in the past, and I was like, wow. And like, I grew up loving Jim Edmonds, who wore 15, and he wore 15 for the Cardinals. So I was like, you know, I show up and I see 15, I'm like, man, this this couldn't be any sweeter than, than having this number. Being here in this whole moment, I was like, it was super. So when you get there in the third inning, you
0: have to like, suit up? And
1: yeah, suit up, get ready to
0: go.
1: Just suit up, got ready to go, and um, I think I went down to the batting cage and maybe took some swings just to get loose just in case they needed me or whatnot, because I was, I was going to be available to pinch hit. And uh, I'll never forget, there was a situation where the pitcher's spot was going to come up. And they told us, they're like, no, we're not going to pinch hit right now. So I'm like, I'm chilling, hanging out. And then all of a sudden, three seconds later, they're like, oh, no, actually, you are hitting right now. And I'm like, whoa, okay, here we go. Grab my stuff, and, and uh, there's my first major league at bat. Wow. Yeah. That same day? That same day. Right there, thrown in the fire. Tell me what that was like. Oh, man, that's like crazy. I'll never forget Tim Hudson's pitching, you know, all-star pitcher, one Cy Young's just an um, pitcher. And, you know, just going out there, they call out your name and, you know, standing ovation, the crowd's going you know. They really respect their players. There and, and, like, you know, just standing ovation for, like, my first moment of the big leagues and, you know, going out there and, you know, quick, you know, one, two, three strikeouts, back to the dugout. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Still, I mean, it's just like uh, to, to have a childish – Correlation with this, like, I, I love For Love of the Game, you know, like, and it, and the, the way they talk about, like, that moment of, like, going up, hitting or pitching or whatever. Like, I've always loved that movie because of that. And it's, I couldn't imagine what that's like. I couldn't imagine what, like, think about, like, all the years from, like, when you start playing. like Five, five to 25,
4: 26.
0: I mean, 20 years to get to that point to, you know. Obviously one two three strikeout, but still it's like take it. <laughs> it's like it's that whole fucking thing, man. Like twenty years of life, twenty years of work led you to that point. To get there, that is like such an achievement. It's such a fucking like
1: fuck huge. Yeah, it was crazy. It was I crazy.
0: can't even like imagine what like you know. I guess I can kind of imagine what it feels like. You got it. Different world. You got it. You got in a different it, world, but you got it. But it's like it's fuck, man. It's like it it um when you look out to the world be like man i did this shit for a reason
1: it's it's such a it is it's gotta be such like a fulfilling moment yeah for sure so what was the next day like Oh man, the next day is just uh, you know answering texts. <laughs> <laughs> just from Mario. Just, 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 <laughs> just, just from Mario. 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 Like where can I come out? When am I going? What's where, next? This and that. And uh, no, the biggest, I guess, it is nerve wracking, and this is one it was nerve wracking was you know you just don't know what's going to happen, right? There's a number of crunches. You can get sent out any time. You know this is you know it's not like the NBA or NFL where you know if you're, you make the roster and you're there, you know you're going to be all right. Where you know somebody's hurt, they come back, then they send you back down to the minor leagues. So. You know, just living that day-to-day of, like, you don't know when you're going to get sent out. and then when, when did that flip for you? That flipped for me, I guess, once I got an, a real opportunity. I think, so that year I got, I got, I was up for, like, a month doing well. Then I got sent out because, you know, at that time, you should be playing and developing, right? I'm, I'm a young player. So we had, gotten, we had just traded for a veteran player. So I got sent out, which this is a funny story. Who was a veteran player? Randy Wynn. Okay. The guy that i always watched and looked up to i i, I love randy Wynn, like super simple player he was awesome had a great career so i remember getting to the field early that day i wasn't starting and you know when, when i wasn't starting I had, you know you had to do double work to stay ready so i get to the field early i forgot who was in town i think we had like a four o'clock game so i was like oh i, I was gonna get dinner with a buddy on another team after the game or whatnot so i'm at the clubhouse i walk in i see randy in there and i'm like man this is cool we got randy win because you know when they make these moves a lot of times they aren't announced until the next day or until like game time so i walk in and i see tony Can we cheers I just oh to cheers. my bad my bad cheers my man cheers so i see randy win and then i see tony Larooster walk in and he's all excited you know he's got his veteran guy randy win and like he looks over and he sees me he wasn't expecting to see me at that time right, in the field he looked over and he's just like whoa and he kind of like said hi to randy win real quick and like he gave me this one right here you know the and i'm like oh no that's not good. I've seen that before. That means you know, coming to the office is going to be a tough conversation. And he told me straight up, because look, you're doing a great job right now, but you know, we got a veteran player, and you know, you're going to go down some minor leagues and, and just get at bats and continue to do better. You know, it was a great conversation, but at the same time, I'm like, man, like this is the big leagues. Like, you know, this is I'm, like now I'm getting sent back down. Like, you're also getting sent back down by Tony La Russa. Yeah,
0: like it's just crazy. like I mean, he's a fucking legend, walking legend. legend. Even at that point, he was a walking legend. Legend, you know, like. How do you I mean what do you say they like,
2: okay, yes sir.
1: Yes sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Inside your boarding, you're like, yes, sir. And then I'll never forget too, because you know, like I said, like you don't know when you're get sent out or not sent out. So the first you know, two weeks I'm living in a hotel. Because I don't know, I can't get a lease of an apartment because then you get sent out. But then once I had you know got a good groove and things are going well, I was like, all right cool, I'm gonna get an apartment. i I'll never forget I got an apartment, had it all ready to go, and then literally get sent out. I'm like, wow, this is not it. So like go behind the scenes, pack up the whole place, pack up my car. And then that day I drove straight to Memphis, which is where our AAA team was. And I remember that was on a Saturday. I drove straight to Memphis. That Sunday, they got me a flight out. And, and the way AAA works is you're, you're flying in AAA, but it's almost better to drive. So you, you know, your first flight's at that 6 a.m. flight. You land in Dallas at 8.30. And then from Dallas, you connect to Albuquerque, you land at Albuquerque at 1 o'clock, and then, you know, games at 7. So I'm thinking, all right, I just got sent out, you know, on Saturday. Sunday, I'm gonna you know, fly in, chill for a day, and then like, I'll play Monday. I, I land, I text my buddy, he's like, hey, you're in the lineup playing right field leading off. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? I'm like, what's the rush here? So literally, showed it to the ballpark, I'm in the game already. And like, you, know, you gotta control emotions, right? You just, you know, you're living the life, you're living your dream, you're, you're in the big leagues, and then next second you're back in triple and you're like, wow.
4: Talk about a gut check, this is a little different, fuck. Man.
1: Very, very, very humbling game. Very, yeah. very humbling game. So uh, that was it. So then I was down for a month, got back, caught back up. And then once I did well that year, I finished off well, I told myself, all right, I got a chance to really stick in this league. Like, you know, I got, you know, I said, best kick scenario, I'm an everyday player. And it's amazing. But worst kick scenario, I know I can be that fourth outfielder that comes off the bench and has a role and will embrace that role and do whatever it takes. So that's I mean, just
0: to, to make it to the majors and to be able to say you're an everyday player is still a lot. For right? sure. Like, I mean... Major League Baseball is this, like, incredible world, first of all, of business, second of all, of, like, worldwide talent. I mean, every third-world country plays baseball. Every single one. So the fact that you can say that you're going to be an everyday player in Major League Baseball is, like, fucking wild at that point. And then what the rest of your career kind of, like, led to... I mean, it's it's fucking crazy. It's crazy. crazy. So then, at that point, you know, you finish off the year well. The year after, you're what, 27?
1: 26. 26. That was 25 that year, 26. And then what was that like? Oof, that was the... That, that year changed my life forever. I mean, we won the World Series. <laughs> it was
0: crazy. That was at 26?
1: Yeah. 26 years old, won the World Series. Oh, and then,
0: so that's what, 11 years ago now?
1: Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, we just had the 10-year re- reunion last summer, which was awesome. And then, so like, that year was crazy because... Um, started the year off on the bench uh you know stayed grinding did my thing we made a big trade where an opportunity opened up for me to become the center fielder of the team and what was the big trade uh kobe rasmus for edwin jackson mark Zabchinski, and Octavio dotel so we ended up getting a pitch two pitch three pitchers for uh, and then we traded the center fielder at the time perfect <laughs> Love that! <laughs> Love that for us. It worked out well, and, and it's weird when stuff like that happens because, like, you're, you truly are like brothers with these guys. You know, these are even though you play the same position or whatever. Like, like he was a good friend of mine. You know, like we, we hung out, like our wives hung out. Like it was like you know we we were good friends, and that happens. And it's weird. We're like, it's like, yeah, he's leaving. I get an opportunity, but at the like, same time, it's like man, we're we're boys, we're homies, you know. So it's it's a very weird dynamic when when kind of these things go happen, and then like I said you know, the rest of history, We're win the World Series, and. It was crazy. I was 26 years old, and you know you have Albert Pools and Lance Berkman, Rafael Furcal, guys that we grew up, you know, playing MVP the show with and stuff. And I'm like, I'm sitting here like winning a World Series with, with Lance Berkman. It's his first one, and Rafael Furcal, that's his first one, and I'm 26, and I'm like sitting here like, wow, this is crazy. Albert Pools, what was that like? Unreal. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. He seems like a very like big personality. Oh man, it was like the and like we talk about work ethic. This guy like. He did not waste a second in his day. And I, I got to see that from an early age and it like it just reaffirmed of like stuff that I was doing and I took more out of it and I was more inspired where like I was like that guy that was like literally like he'd walk and I'm like following him around like watching him just do things and like you know he'd go there and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go he's in the cage or I'm gonna go sit in the corner of the cage and I'm just gonna watch or he's going to the weight room, I'm gonna like even if I have to work out, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go in there and like pretend I'm working out so I can see him and see what he's doing. Cause I mean I was the best player in the game of baseball and I got to share clubhouse with him and, and watch him every day it was unreal, unreal.
0: <clears throat> what was that year like
1: winning a world series
0: like obviously I mean baseball is what 62. Man, 162 man so many games fucking A so 162. many games 162 games what was your record at the end of the regular
1: season oh, I, no, I can't even it's bad I can't even say that one producer record Sorry, what's
3: What what's the question <laughs> Listen, there's a lot. There's things. What was
0: what was their their record at the end of the regular season when they won the World Series? Got it. When
1: John
4: Jay was 26 years old, the research department will chime back in a little bit. What I do
1: know is we were 11 and a half games out of a playoff spot. I think August, the middle of August. It's a good, it's a good month, August. But gone. So September, you know, 30 games. Like we had, like if you look at probabilities and you know analytics, it was like five percent chance to make a playoff, and we ended up sneaking into the wildcard game. And just caught fire and the World Series. So that's one of those things where, like, we just came out of nowhere. And I'll never forget, we had a huge team meeting. And Chris Carpenter spoke up and was like, Look, we prepared for the oh, uh, season.
4: The research department's internet is not working. So great. We're killing it. Well, you know. Shout
1: out to in hospitality. <laughs> 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 oh, that's awesome. So Chris Carpenter gets us together and is like, Look, guys, we're too talented. We've worked way too hard all year. Like, there's a month left. Let's just put our heads down and just go out there and do what we know we're capable of doing and like change our season right there. Like got us going. Like everyone was motivated and just said, we're going to play ball and, and we snuck into the playoffs the last day of the season, which was crazy.
0: The last day of the last season. Day of the
1: season snuck into the playoffs.
0: What a, like, that's like a true Cinderella story. Crazy. My whole life is a Cinderella story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, like I, I, I'll i always refer back to that, that moment when Webb was like, if I just had more John Jays would win more state championships. So like the Cinderella story is more like in the evolution, but the work ethic was always there to be like where you ended up. You know, like I mean that and that's the goal, right? Like that That's the thing. It's like if you have the the work ethic to get there, no matter what you do, more often than not you'll you'll be all right. For sure. You know, like that that'll be all right. So get into the playoffs. Who'd you play in the first round?
1: So we played the Philadelphia Phillies, and, I mean, they had a star-studded team. I think they won 100-something games that year. It was, like, it was ridiculous. So um, they had, I mean, Ryan Har- Howard and, like, Raul Ibanez, which was super cool to play against him, somebody that I grew up you know, watching here, a Miami legend. Right? Uh, and that was a famous it was game. Five, it was Roy Halladay against Chris Carpenter, one nothing game. And uh, we won. On. It was a leadoff triple by Rafael Furcal. Skip Schumacher, current manager of the Marlins, hits a double, one nothing game. That's what we won. And that happened in the first inning. That happened in the first inning? First inning. Woof. First inning. Second round? Played the Milwaukee Brewers. So we won that one in six. We went back and forth a little bit, but then we kind of, you know, we knew we were going to, you know, get that one. It got kind of out of hand at the end, and we won that one. And then the World Series, we played against the Texas Rangers, which was like the infamous game six. We were down to our last strike, our last out, and uh, David Freese came up clutch with a huge triple Tied up the game, and then ended up hitting a huge walk-off homer that game, and then we won Game Seven, which is, it was crazy.
4: Just to uh, internet's back up. So <laughs> the uh, uh, St. Louis Cardinals' record in 2011 was 90 and 72. 90 and 72. There you go. Yeah.
0: 90 and 70, and you snuck in on the last day of last the regular day. season. Last day, wild card team. <laughs> when, when did you end up on Sports Illustrated? It was
1: during the World Series.
0: I, you know, I have to say that I probably still have that somewhere in my house. Love it. I'm, I can almost guarantee I have it somewhere in my house. I'm a fucking hoarder of old things,
1: for sure. I'm guilty. I'm
0: guilty. And I'm pretty sure I still have that in my house somewhere. You gotta find that. Your Sports Illustrated and Pat Sports Illustrated, I'm pretty sure I still have it. I like that. I like that. I, I mean, like, when was that? World
3: Series
1: When? 2011. Yeah, but which game? Uh um, that, one, that, one. that one was from game four, I believe, in Texas. Yeah, I'm sliding. Yes. sliding at home.
0: That's it. Man, so fucking epic, man. That was, that shit was like, I'm looking at this, I'm like, this is like my friend from high school. Like, what the fuck? Like, this shit is nuts. This shit is crazy. And you end up
1: winning the World Series. Tell me what that's like. Man, that was like, like I said, it changed my life forever. was like. I mean, so many great players that played this game that are Hall of Famers didn't get a chance to win the World Series. And here I am, second year, 26 years old, win the World Series, like, which is the ultimate goal, the ultimate, like, everything, you know? So it's like, you know, it was just legendary. It was stuff. And, and then when you look at the roster, like I said, like Albert Pujols, Yadier Molina, I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, these guys are like, le- like, real legends, like, guys that, like, in 150 years, people are going to know who these guys are. They're not going to know who I am. They're going to know who these guys are. They may know who nah, you are, man. Cool. I got, they may hey, know who you are, bro. Hey, it's all good. I'm, you know, like It's all good. It's all good. Give
0: yourself just like a uh, like a micro of credit. They may know who these the fuck guys you are. These
1: guys changed the game. Like, Bunk, literally changed the game. on Podcast lives forever. There we go, man.
0: <laughs> you know what's funny is like, uh, obviously because I have a, a friend that won a World Series and a friend that won a Super Bowl. Since we want to start, like, I've been asked to do, like, weird talks and shit, and it's, like, in weird hours of the day, and people are wearing suits and <laughs> button-up shirts and shit, and I usually show up pretty much like this. And when they introduce me, they, it's that one picture of, like, me winning a star, and, like, it's very, like... And, you know, everyone's, everyone's kind of, like, half-asleep. And kind of like how I always wake them up. I was like, you know, raise your hand if you know what like a World Series is. People raise their hand. Mm -hmm. Raise your hand if you know like what winning the Super Bowl means. And they raise their hand. And I'm like, cool. So I think maybe this is what that feels like. This feeling here, maybe it may feel like that. Because that's what it's like for my industry. For sure. And it's like, I don't know if that's what it feels like. I have no idea, but that's kind of like how I get people to understand, like that don't really understand food, but maybe they understand sports. Like, it's a big fucking deal. It's a huge deal. Huge deal. It could change your life forever. It could be something that you've worked towards your entire life. And guys like you that, you know, weren't supposed to be a draft pick ended up being a second round draft pick. Guys that, like, Pat was also a second round draft pick. Like, things like that. Like, shit that just, like, you've been working your whole life towards. And here you are. You've made this thing. So, like, when you won the chip, that first initial feeling, other than euphoria, what was, like, the first thing you thought about?
1: Man. oh, I I literally was like, this is going to change my life forever. This is going to change my life forever because you're in the history books. Like you said, like yourself, you're in the history books. And that's, like it's a big deal, you know, and it's like, and, and, I, and I do compare it to being the same thing, you know, what, what you've done is the same thing as winning World Series, and winning, you know, an NBA champion. it's a championship, you've won the championship in your in your sport, which is food, which is unbelievable, so, you know, like, that feeling that comes with that, it's like, it's it's one of those things that, I don't know, people just look at you differently, just because you have this thing, and you're like, oh, Yo, I'm the same guy, it's just, I just happen to win the World Series, but I'm the same person that I've, you know, you've know. you always been. I just
0: I think about it always, because like I've obviously... I mean, we've known each other since we were, like, 15 years old, so, like, I think about it, like, when we were, like, 15... I obviously wasn't cooking when we were 15. You were playing ball when we were 15, and it's like... I mean, that was, like... I mean, I'm sure that was your dream when you were 15, right? Like, winning the chip one day, like, to feel that feeling, to do that thing... For me, it came later, you know, like for me, like food became my evolution and became my kind of obsession later in life because I I didn't know what I wanted to do. I mean, at that time I was playing football. I was a child. I was five seven and I had no possibility of ever playing in the pros, but I loved the game for you. Like you live this, this, uh, this kid's game and you dedicated your life to it. And you achieve something that like man 99.9% of the world will never feel that's amazing it's like an
4: incredible moment
0: and then not only that you win the world series in those seven games you're on the cover of sports illustrated
4: <laughs> i keep saying it because I, I i love seeing
0: like i remember seeing them like that's john jay like, we, that's my dog you know and I, I remember like obviously mario that phoned in earlier you know we've been friends for such a long time and we and I I I told him this before I was like man I'll never forget the feeling of seeing like my friend on the cover of Sports Illustrated and be like that is my fucking dog and like feeling this feeling of like being super proud because I know how much like how much work it takes I know how much time it takes I know how much like effort it takes and how much it takes away from like your personal life how much uh, people sacrifice in that time to get there. So, man,
1: like, kudos to you. Nah, like, and and the, and the feeling's mutual, bro. Like, watching you do your thing, it's been amazing. Like, you know, behind the scenes, us talking. And, like, I, never, I remember when you opened up, coming here with friends from out of town and, like, taking a picture and sitting here in this room, you know, having the, after charity event, having the after party here. And, like, yeah. you know, all these little things that had led to this, you know, and watching you. And then when you did get it, like, calling Marty right away. Yo, he, he got it. And, you know, just this whole thing, it's, it's, it's so cool to just, you know, to see... And I think too, when you you know, I've I've seen you behind the scenes, the work you have put in, and, and what you've done, and to get there, and then that, that's you know, that's the stuff that you look at, and you're like, wow, it's it's super, super special, it's super cool. What was it like the year after? Honestly, our leadership in St. Louis and the organization, the way it was, and like the group of guys that like I hung out with and like worked with, like it was almost like we won the world. Oh, but like, it's done. Like we gotta go do another one. Like. The expectations here, and like we did it once, are right, cool. Like it was so cool to like how guys just wouldn't talk about it. It was like we didn't talk about it. It was like that's in the past. Like we're here now. Like it's 2012. Like we gotta go do it again. And it, that was something that like I learned at an early age there. That was like it was so cool to see. We're like you know as a young player, you're like yeah, we won the World Series. But like it's like you never heard any of the older guys say like oh yeah, remember when the you know the World Series? Like it's like no nah, hey this, today's this, and we gotta get to this point now. So. It was really, it was weird. And like, oh, like we didn't talk about it and like, you know, we didn't like, it, maybe have, we used it as like, hey, remember we were down two outs. We, we, we could have lost and like, but we pulled together. Like, so they would take these, you know, teaching moments and these examples to use, but it was never like that Sit back and like, oh yeah, we won the World Series last year. It was just, you know, back at it, back at it, and uh, keep grinding. I think that's kind of how baseball is, right? You have to show up every single day. It's 162 games. That's right. Same crazy. thing in your industry, right? Like, you know, you could do well for two months, cool. But, like, I want longevity. I want to I kill it for a long time. And oh,
0: man. Consistency is key. It's key. That's everything in yeah. life. Con- you got to do it. I think we're open like 360 days in this place. So, like, you know, like, it's, it's got to be like every single day. And it's true. It's like, it, but I think that's it's so much to the point of like leadership. It's like when you have to do it so often the leadership needs to be so strong because it needs to guide the people to understand like consistency is key. it's not just it's not being great one day it's about being great every day and how do you build yourself to be great every day how do you build your you know like it takes a lot of fucking stamina to do that shit every single day it takes a lot of like mental fortitude to do it every single day and i mean you played in the league for what you told me eleven years. Yeah. twelve years. Eleven years, twelve
1: like a twelve, twelve seasons. Eleven years. I mean, twelve years is a long time. Yeah.
0: No. it's a long time. I mean, to to be able to be as consistent as you were, and to be a pro as long as you were, that takes a lot of consistency, a lot of work ethic. What was it like the? So that was like what the first four years of your career? St. Louis.
3: Yeah, I was there well, first.
0: Not like not St. Louis, but just like from. Yeah, the minors to the whole thing to winning a World Series to like the bookend mm-hmm. of like the two years after the winning the World Series like that's like what the first four or five?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, five. Yeah, so signed 2006, so that's 2011, 12, and then it was crazy. Then in 2013, we went to another World Series, which is unreal. Which is like you know it was like one of those times where like wow this is crazy. So that team with the Cardinals, we went on a five year run. Where we went to the playoffs every year, which is unbelievable. And, you know, we were always, you know, a couple games out of the World Series. Isn't
0: it it crazy? Like, that year you win the series, you sneak in, you sneak in on the last day, and then you make it to the playoffs five years in a row. I mean,
1: that's fucking wild. It just shows that, like, the team just had a lot of, like, rich culture. Culture. Culture is everything, you know, and I I think that's the, like, we talk about, like, the places that are successful, they have good culture. There's no way around it, you know. Leadership and culture.
0: What year was it that you went back to to the World Series? 2013. 2013. 2013 yeah. Tell me about that.
1: Man, we had an unbelievable team. We went back to the World Series. And uh, it's funny like we talk about 2011, we kind of snuck in there and nobody thought anything. And like we won the team. We won the World Series. And then 2013, we had high expectations kind of and didn't do What we were supposed to do, you know, it was one of those uh weird ones we're like, Man, we we, should, we had it, we, we could have won. And you know, a gentleman by the name of Big Poppy, David Ortiz, just decided to go absolutely off and, yeah. and really just, I mean, it was unbelievable. One of the most unreal performances I've seen. I mean, I, he was, I don't know what the stat like, he hit like four homers, and like it was just unbelievable what he did, like literally one man show and just took over the whole series. I mean, he's a legend, absolute legend. He's he's, I mean, that team was a legend though. Uh,
0: like I mean, that team was full of like. Uh, did
1: didn't they beat their curse that year? No, no, no that was in two thousand four. That was two thousand four. Two thousand four. The Red Sox. Right, but two, uh, who did they play against in two thousand four? That's when they swept the Yankees. Oh, right. And that's when they were down three nothing against the Yankees, and they came back and beat the Yankees.
0: That's like how long did he play in the league for a long time? For a long, long time, a long long, long, long time. Right. So it was back in 2012, 13... Man, I mean, like, I feel like David Ortiz is, like, a part of, like, my entire childhood. For sure. And, like, you know, not just childhood. I mean, we're talking about, like, mid-20s to, like, that's pretty fucking wild. But you also played against David Ortiz. It's fucking wild, right? Like, you played against a guy like David Ortiz. I, I think that it's, like, uh, not only, like, your career like, what you achieved, but, like, the people you played against and the people that you just like we're in the same kind of, like, universe with is, like, pretty impactful.
1: Yeah, And I think that's one of the toughest things in the beginning, right, where you're playing with and against guys that you idolize your whole life, right? It's like, you know, you watch these guys pitching. like, wow, this guy's such a good pitcher. You know, you watch him at 18, 19, and then next that, year you're facing this guy. Up. And you're thinking, like, man, I, I used to watch him do, you know, whatever it was. And, you know, Big poppy is like, I've, I've seen this guy play on TV since 2004, you know. Right. Like, watching, And then you're standing out there in the field, and you're like, you're on first base and you're like what's up man it's like it's, it's a big pop and you're just hanging out so like i think that's one of the like, coolest but but it's like you got you know you learn to check yourself like hey i'm all here i'm, I'm trying to beat you and right now you're a legend but you know here i am to you know i'm trying to get this this one too so
0: everyone puts their pants on the same way that's it that's the same shit that's that I, it I, like i've been saying that shit forever like every time we entertain like a like a big time chef or whatever i'm like you know we all do this shit the same way you know, we all wake up the same way. We put our shoes on the same way. It's like, fuck it. You know, like, our food is our food. And, you know. They're obviously legends at what they do. But I think we're pretty good
1: at what we do, too. That's it. Tail end of the career. What was it like? Yeah, so for me, um, you know, so I left St. Louis in 2015. I got traded to the San Diego Padres. And I think the craziest thing for me is uh, in 2016, the, uh, our twin daughters were born. They're six years old now. And, um, you know, so we spent the first six years of my career in St. Louis where, you know. It was just myself and my wife. And then now we have twin daughters, right? So, you know, in baseball, you know, luckily when I lived in Miami, sprint training was in Jupiter. So I'll just drive up the, up the street and then we moved to St. Louis after that. So uh, I think that's when we really started getting into, you know, your sprint training's in Arizona. So, you know, we're flying to Arizona with the kids, setting up shop there for a month and a half, you know. They're two months old at the time and then moved from there to Chicago and then like it just started this whole whirlwind of, uh, you know, I played, I ended up playing, you know, uh, on the Cubs, White Sox, Diamondbacks, Angels, I'm missing one. Anyway, so I ended up moving, you know, we moved for six years with twin girls, you know, like 30 times or something like that, you know, so it's like, it was just a lot of crazy and, you know, on the baseball side, um, you know, it was, co- you know, going to different teams, you know, you get to meet different guys, but you got to get, you know, comfortable in different, you know, surroundings and whatnot. So, you know, I think at the end, it was, uh, you know, it was just, uh, it, was, it was crazy looking back now of like how much, you know, on the go I was and, you know, but it was the best thing for me. You know, I got to meet so many different guys playing so many different cities, get to know, you know, get so many cool experiences. So, uh but that's kind of the tail end it was just, uh, that's what I remember just, you know, bouncing around everywhere and just being in a, in a bunch of different places. So,
0: when was like, what was the final year? 2021. 2021. Oh, that was like super recent. I'm probably a year and a half away.
1: How did that feel? Uh, it's, it's weird. It's kind of bittersweet at the end, you know, where it's like something you've done your whole life, you've put everything into and... You know, I used to always ask guys like, hey, when, like, how did you know, you know, it's time to retire? Or when did you know, you know, you, you, and he's like, "Look, you, you, you'll know when your time comes, you know, you'll, you'll just know and then, you know, for it just hit that point where I was like, you know, I just wasn't happy, you know, playing baseball anymore to, to that point, you know. A lot of different things happened, there's business, there's all these things, different things that happen. And for me, it was like, all right, it's time for me to come home and be with my family. and. It was one of those, uh, the day I did, i never forget, it. it was like the morning, I, I just got a flight, and, and I, 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 I didn't even tell my wife. I just showed up at the house. <laughs> I was like, hey, honey, I'm home, I'm retired, I'm done. <laughs> and she's like, what, what's going on here? So, uh, but it was a great feeling of just knowing that, you know. first of all, reflecting on my career and, and just, like we said, it was like so surreal to do all the things I got to do and accomplish so many things. And, and then I was like, all right, I'm home, and you know, let's, let's move on to the next chapter. How fast did those 11 years feel? It feels like yesterday. But it's like, it's crazy
0: because like we talk about like, you know, winning a World Series, going back to a World Series, then getting traded through a couple of teams and then just saying like, okay, I'm done. Those 11 years, they must have felt like a flash. Hot flash. Just fast. like incredibly fast. Like, just like that felt like yesterday. Like Tony LaRusso uh, La sending me back to the minors, like must have felt like yesterday at that point. For sure.
2: For sure.
1: And then saying like,
2: all right.
0: We're done here,
1: and then and honestly, like and the way I am and just the way baseball is, like you know, it's like you got to grind every single day. So, you know, when you're going through it, and that's what I kind of talked about with the World Series, like you you can't sit back and think about these things because you get punched in the mouth, and then next guy up, and next thing you know, you're like, wow, focus or thinking about this. So, you know, I really wouldn't think about things, and I I really wouldn't talk about things. Like you know, I'd have a good game or whatnot. I'm like you know, it's human nature. You guys are gonna fire you up. Oh, you went through four. You know, and I'm like, oh, cool, thanks, and like tune it out, tune it out. So at the end of my career, I really got to reflect on all these things. And then you're like, wow, like this time just flew by because you have your head down so much. And, you know, we talk about it, it's it's about the, the you know, the journey. It's not about the destination because, right. you know, you get to that point, like, you know, you get your star and then you're like, all right, cool. Well, like, I'm the same dude. Like, it feels good, but like, I want to go- keep doing more. Like, what's the next thing? And so it's funny, like you said, like you win the World Series and you get there and like, all right, cool. like no, I want to win another one. And the same. That was kind of like my whole career, where like I, you wouldn't sit back and reflect and like really sit down and like. It so the last two years, and I still get real emotional thinking about things because you know little stories come up or you remember little things or like you know we sit down and like yeah I remember you know like how much that means to you you're like man that's cool because you know at that time like you can't sit down and really think about that like you don't think about like yeah I wonder how many people saw you know I, I didn't think oh I, I wonder how many people saw the Sports Illustrated and like who you know whatever you're like no I gotta keep it going. But, I'm almost positive I still have it.
3: I like. I
0: I gotta tell you I'm like. 99% positive I still have it like I'm I am a hoarder so like I have a, a bunch of shit and I, I will say you don't have to be a
4: hoarder that's a thing worth keeping
0: no I know but I, I'm just saying like I I have like dude the other day I was finding like I found news articles I actually just super off subject but um I was going through like a big purge day I had to purge a bunch of things And I found, and I've said the story a couple of times, I'm pretty sure, but like in the evolution of Ariat, when I was like in between jobs and I lived in the shack, I built Ariette's menu through post-its. And I had this one wall that led to my kitchen that was just like 90 post-its. And I found them all the other day. I found all the post-its in this fucking envelope, just like crushed up. I'm like, what the fuck I was about to throw it away and I opened it. And I'm like, holy shit, it's like all these fucking post-its from seven and a half years ago. And there's still two menu items on on those post-its that are still on our from menu. The and post-it I'm like, items.
4: fuck, huh? Yeah, yeah, from the post-its that still survived. They they're they're survivors. And
0: I'm like, fuck, man, that's fucking crazy. And it's like that's why I'm I can send
4: myself an order and I'm okay with it. I, I just wanna throw out there, I don't need to jump in now, but before we move past the major league, and baseball career years, I have some questions that I want to throw in that section. You have questions? Yeah. I love that. I could jump in now. If you want. No, go on. Go on. Wait, no, no, I mean, I just don't want to interrupt the thought, but I wanted to get there before we move on to... Are they the, your
2: questions or Marty's
4: questions? No, no. These are mine. No, Marty's in Thank involvement Thank God. God. Fuck. Uh, so, in no particular order, talk a little bit about how you were eating. Like... Not just in terms of nutrition as a professional athlete, but also like being so young and then, you know, coming into this world where like at like you said, you won a World Series at 26 years old. So even like your off time, eating to celebrate has to look different. And like the, the stuff that you're doing, even outside of food, looks different from like a lot of the for people sure. that you went to high school with. For sure. For so sure. like talk a little bit about that, about not just like what your routines are and then those like sort of special moments. Maybe there was like a a meal or a or a a, a a moment that you were like oh shit this is like this is a a, a special like a, a like you said i'm in like that like 99% of the people in the world are not doing this thing that i'm doing yeah yeah so
1: i mean one of the perks of playing in the big leagues is you know you get access to you know yeah. a lot of things that you know i wasn't really used to you know as, as a young kid or whatnot but um you know, landing in the city, and you know, I remember in Chicago, there's a general manager that was from St. Louis. So you know, every time we landed in there, you know, they hit us up and just be like, "Hey, come through or whatnot." And you know, you're sitting at dinner and you're getting you know the seafood towers and you know all these different things that are that are coming out, and it's just surreal. You know, like you know having my friends you know in town, and I'll never forget we we're in St. Louis, and you know we'd go to a restaurant, and you know the chef will come out, or you know the GM will come and greet us, and and remember, my buddy was like, "Hey, do we only go to restaurants where we know the chef and we know the owner?" I'm like, "Dude, I don't know what's going on." I'm like, "This is all new." Yeah. We're like, I'm you're kind like, of along for the ride. Right. We're just along for the ride, right. and it's unbelievable. I'm like, "We'll take it," but like, you know, we're gonna go, we're gonna hit with stride. But you know, so those are some of the things that, are like, you know, we got to do that. I was like, "Man, this is pretty cool." And then you know, mm-hmm. win the World Series. You know, like, you know, people know you. You know, you're you're
3: visible. And, and in St. Louis, which
4: is like a. a Baseball. St. Town. Louis is a baseball town. Like everybody eats, sleeps baseball. Uh, so I went to a school in Mizzou, so I'm right, with cool, a cool. lot of St. Louis people, and even Mizzou, two and a half or so hours away. When I was there, like any time the say that the Cardinals were in the playoffs, my whole apartment complex was going fucking bananas. All oh, bananas. for sure. Yeah, St. Louis is. I mean, I remember
1: my buddies that come to the game, and they're like, "Man, everybody wears red here. Like everyone's wearing a St. Louis Cardinals. Like yeah. I've never seen that before. Like." So it was cool and it was always awesome to like get to hear their perspective on things because like, like, you know, we started getting to do things, you know, instead of going to Outback now we're at, you know, like Mastro's and like, <laughs> you know, like we're doing things where like, it was like, it was, you know, we're going to all these cities and like, you know, we're hanging out in places yeah. and I'm like, man, this is crazy. Like, you know, Did you people-
4: have a favorite city to like be in with some downtime?
1: Uh, the the big cities, <laughs> but nah. of the big ones. No, nah, I loved uh, honestly. Um, Chicago was unbelievable. Yeah. You know, we got to play a lot of day games there, so we got to explore and go to dinner after. We go to dinner and like you know go to dinner and hang out a little bit. It was it was awesome. Chicago is my spot, and LA was always the, the trip that you know I always looked
4: forward to too. So I don't want to take. I'm I'm gonna move on to another question. I'm gonna hard shift here. All right, so two related questions. Number one, you played for the. Swing of the Quad Cities. That was your pro debut, right? During a short window, 04 to 07, where they were not the Quad City River Bandits. Would you rather have been a River Bandit than whatever a swing of the Quad Cities is? I would have definitely rather been a Riverbank. The,
3: the
1: Qu- Quad City uniforms were horrible. It was like a saxophone versus a raccoon. Saxophone. You could have, you could have had a raccoon. It was like a burnt orange saxophone with like baby blue and like the uniforms. In the I chair. want it that one bad. signed. It was bad. I want that one signed. Bad. The saxophone, the baby yeah, blue saxophone. Bad. It was bad.
4: It was really bad. Can okay, so we'll we'll I'm gonna track down some. Uh, yeah, let yeah. the Quad Cities jerseys and we'll we'll figure out. We'll do like a little charity auction. Related question. Uh. With no regard for the baseball itself. I, so, not Bangkok Podcast, but Dade Blind Tasting. What? Had a couple of episodes sponsored by uh, uh, a baseball-related company. And it wasn't the only place I'd ever heard this from, but that was the most recent place. The idea of, like, look good, play good, right? For sure. What team's uniforms made you feel most like look good, play good? Like, you have to wear something. What did you feel bested? My
1: favorite uni I ever put on was the uh, powder blue. I think it's from the 1985 St. Louis Cardinals. They're, they're ridiculous. Like, mm. I remember like they wear it a lot more now. I think they were like every Saturday. I forgot what they were now, but back then, like we only, I only got to wear those like twice my whole time in St. Louis. And like, I'll never forget like looking in the mirror and be like, "Man, I look good right now." Like this is this is. <laughs> good. Let me ask
0: you though, like for opposing teams, what were the
1: the uniforms that you were like, like you intimidated know, that, by? That it? shit is dope. Ah, oh, I mean, I mean, it's the big leagues. They're all they're all some nice uniforms, but yeah, I know. Uh, but,
0: but like you know, like the Yankees uh, uniforms are the Yankees uniforms. They're super plain, but like it's still the Yankee uniform. Yeah. No,
1: the Yankees are nice. Uh, I'm trying to think.
0: Mm. I still think the old Marlins uniforms are the, the teal, way. baby.
1: Yeah, the old Marlins uniforms are the way, man. Yeah. Like, those things. White with pinstripes.
0: Yeah, those things were so dope. Give me Jeff Conine yeah. all day in that white, <laughs> white
1: with fucking pinstripes, man. That shit was sick. I'm trying to think of jerseys on the other team, though. Including minor
4: league, by the way. And my last question, which we can transition to this, was if, if you were recommending to somebody like, because like a lot of minor league shit is super quirky. From a like, if you can only go to one minor league game, what team should you go see? Like, what experience should you have? In the minor
0: Before league? he answers, because he's gonna have a much more educated answer sure. than me. Yeah. When I was in college, I my two of my roommates, Pierce Steinruck and Joey Greer, great dudes. They like I was actually roommates with two baseball players, and it was two football players, which is. Very out of the norm. But they were fucking amazing. These dudes were like, they're my brothers to this day. I love them. And they were Red Sox fans. Hardcore Red Sox fans. So Kurt Schilling got hurt going down to the, to, to the minors, or whatever. And then he played like a triple-A game. Paul took it. Maybe. I don't remember. But all I remember was going to the game. Watching Kurt Schilling pitch one inning, right, and then getting super fucked up, and then going to uh, what's this place? Uh, Jack in the Box. <laughs> right after, like we were super fucked up. We smoked a joint, and then we went through like uh, the drive <laughs> the drive through at Jack in the Box like four times.
4: But like, <laughs> wait, like, like you like you were doing laps at Jack? Yeah, j- or we, were you just <laughs> kept ordering every time you no, went. No, we around. did
0: laps. We like. We, we ordered and they were like we're still hungry we're gonna go back. okay so
4: you actually so you were just like aim, like you actually you would order and then you would go around and order and again. we would eat and then we would that go back right. and then we would eat again That's and then we would go back long. and we would eat
0: again and it was I think it was three but I'm Cuban so I exaggerate. So like maybe more it was than
2: four. two
4: anything above two was two it was, was more it was more than two. two. It, was it was definitely two. more than
2: mm-hmm. two. Paul Tucker what? Paul Tucker
1: Massachusetts Rhode Island? No, no, it was in it was in North Carolina. Okay. So also is that Durham? Yeah. Durham Bulls. The big wall in left field.
0: Yeah. yeah. Durham Bulls. Yeah. yeah. I mean it was like an hour and a half ride for us. Right.
1: So like we were in Danville, Virginia, so that checks out. There's a team in Danville, Virginia. Um No. The not, Braves, not a minor link team. The Braves have something there now, I think. Maybe now. Yeah. No. Not when I was there. All right.
0: There's absolutely nothing in Danville, Virginia. Yeah, like, like, absolutely fucking nothing there. It's a fucking waste.
1: Alcohol panel. sales stop at 10?
0: <laughs> no, no, I mean, they, those no, went on. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, That place was interesting. Uh, I've had in St- uh, it's Virginia. To,
4: yeah. I don't know what an Otterbot is, but this is the Danville Otterbots. No, but that wasn't there when I was there. That was not there when I was there. The research department is
0: trying to find out the history <laughs> of the Otterbots. <laughs> Anyways, so you retire from the game. I'm sure that's like, there's a lot of emotions with that. You retire, like you've left this game that you've known since you were a child. What was that feeling like? The the
1: idea of like, what's next? Yeah, it's scary, you know. Um, But I think I started preparing for that before I retired. So I kind of always... We'll kind of think of like things I wanted to do or whatnot, but I was always into like marketing and like meeting people, and so you know, just like a typical road trip, especially later in my career, right? Where let's say I'm in LA and I knew I wasn't playing that day, I could you know wake up in the morning, get breakfast, and then I go like you know go see some of some of the guys I knew. Um, you know, big guy for me, is a dude named D Murty that's built a bunch of companies and done just a bunch of stuff in, in, in the business world, entrepreneur. So I go sit in his office for a couple of hours and just like you know listen to meetings and just kind of hang out with them and stuff like that. So, you know, I was always trying to like expose myself to things or whatnot and then I think it was in 2020 I got a notebook down and I kind of just wrote down like through through the help of a good buddy Ahmed Dawan, and um, he was like, all right, write down like your core, your interests and then like your family, your network of that. He's like, you know, your core is going to be like, you know, baseball is my core obviously. That, that's what I've done my whole life and then within my core, like what can I do within my core? So, you know, baseball is like, you know, I could join a front office, I could coach, I could do announcing, I could do, so I literally went to this exercise where I wrote down all this stuff and then like, trying to understand like what I would actually want to do within that and then like, what are my interests like, you know, I'm into sneakers, I'm into, you know, I like, I like streetwear. I like all these different things like, so I wrote down all these and then like, you know, what my networks are in these different areas. So like, you know, for like hospitality, like I got your name written under this thing and like, I have just like a list of all these different things of interest that I like to do. And then I always said, you know, I left school as a junior, so I was like, I'm going to finish, I'm going to get my degree. I'm not going to actively pursue anything for right now. I'm just going to enjoy the family, get my degree, and then, you know, take things as they come. And, you know, lucky enough, um, you know, little by little, um, you know, things would come my way. But the biggest thing for me was I always knew, like, I had that segue of, like, all right, I'm going to go back to school. So that'll keep me busy and kind of give me that, that, that period of, like, figuring out what's next.
0: How many years has it been since you retired?
1: 2021. So like a year and a half I came home that summer. Yeah, Two years. And like now, 2023, what's the trajectory now? Well, I mean, so like the last year I've been back at UN. So um, I was on campus taking classes. How uh, weird was that? It was awesome. Was it awesome? Best time.
0: Was it? Best
4: time. time. I I will say he looks younger than anybody in the room right now. I like that.
0: I look pretty
1: young.
4: Uh, Get the fuck out of here, Doug. (laughs) Come on, (laughs) you and me at Tamaholio. Yeah, I know.
1: I mean, Jay does look younger than both of us. So yeah, I was back in school, man. I was back in school, which was amazing. It was awesome. It was like, uh, you know, I was on campus, skating through campus, just hanging out like a college kid, you know, like
4: just literally skating through campus. Literally skating
1: through 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 campus. Wow. With twins. See this guy. I mean, he's even skating.
4: He's even skating around. Man.
2: Yeah, so cool. We fucked up. Yeah.
4: Well, I got an electric skateboard. I don't know about you.
0: You don't ride that thing
4: anymore. I do sometimes, yeah. I take a go do groceries on it. Let's go. We gotta go yeah. we gotta go for a ride. Crash. Uh, relax. I'm on an electric skateboard. I got an electric right? skateboard too. All all right, right, do
1: fine. Go? All right. No, I don't. I don't know how you
4: do though, I got less mileage than you do. I'll ride my car next to you guys. Cadillac
0: skateboard catalyze skateboards all day. Papinata games. <laughs> That's
1: awesome. So um so yeah, so I've been back in school, um pursuing to finish my degree. I had ten classes left. So, um, I have one class left that I'm going to take on the spring online. So, yeah, so in the meantime, I was going back to school or whatnot. And then, um, you know, I got the big call where uh, Skip Schumacher was named the manager of the Miami Martins. And, you know, he gave me a call and, and, you know, said, you know, there might be an opportunity to join the staff. And, um, you know, if I want to take an interview with the front office or whatnot. So, um, that's, uh, that's where I'm at now. So, I accepted a job as a coach with, with the Marlins, the hometown team.
0: Hometown, baby. Bring it. Oh, God, man, you know, like I remember um, one of the best memories I ever have as a human was when I was in uh, I was in college, and my grandfather calls me when the Marlins reached the World Series. What's the young cat's name? The white kid, Josh, Josh, Beckett. Josh jo- Beckett. Josh Beckett. Josh Beckett. This kid's like fucking pitching heat, man. And fucking grandfather calls me. He's like, Are you watching this? Are you watching? And you know, like, you know, like the Marlins had us in what, uh, 96, right? 97, 97. 97. 03, 04. All
1: 03.
0: And like, just, it's been 20 years since then. And it's like, man. I really feel like if they can get it back together, like the city would absolutely get behind them hundred percent. Because like the culture is there. I would say the culture of baseball is here. So it's like Man, I like I, I really I really hope that for the city. I hope that for everyone. I hope that for so many people that like love the sport of baseball as much as like my grandfather loves it. You know, even at fucking 93 years old, that guy, all he does, he wakes up, he watches reruns of baseball all day. Fucking 10 hours a day of reruns of baseball. It's all he watches. It's fucking crazy. In the restaurant upstairs, there's a picture of him in the minors in Cuba just playing baseball. It's it's fucking wild. If they bring that back, man, it would be... Epic for the city.
1: Now I'm looking forward to being part of that, and uh, you know that's my next mission right now is uh, you know. How break. does
0: that even work? Like, how do you go from being a player for so long, then to a coach?
1: Yeah. Well, I think for me, um, you know, it was kind of always in my blood. You know, where you know I yeah, I really liked you know, coaching. Like, I,
4: I, I mean, really you're a tactician. Is that a word? <laughs> <laughs> that's a word. That's okay, got yeah, it. That, that is a word. You are got great. it. <laughs> got it. Thank you so much. Yeah, so for me,
1: like it was something that, like, I I think it goes back to Columbus, you know, like where I'd always just try to like help or like you know, like I think I from an early age I understand I understood what it takes to win, right? Where it takes everybody. It's not about one person, right? Like we talk about, like if you know, you could be the best chef in the world, but if like everything isn't executed the way it's going to be, then you know the restaurant is going to be where it's going to be. So I feel like I I learned that at a young age, and then I just continued building that, building that, building that, and. and it was almost like I said, like one of the things I wrote down was like, you know, I know I can coach. I know it's going to be a possibility for me, but it's going to be the matter of like if it makes sense for my family and I. And I mean, what makes more sense since a coach here in Miami where I don't have to move. I'm from here. And I'm just like you said, I'm so excited to, you know, get, you know, bring Miami, you know, what it deserves in the baseball sense with the culture and all that stuff. So I'm happy to be part of this. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm really looking forward to this next challenge in in, in my career. Oh, man, can- that's,
0: that's such like a articulate and put together answer. I need to go to the bathroom, but like, awesome. I want, I want to go into more of that. I want to go into more of
4: that. So uh, I had a question that I wanted you to be around for, but go to the bathroom. Or ask. I'm i assuming growing up in a Cuban family, in Miami, yeah. grew up speaking some Spanish for sure. So obviously a lot of Latin American players, a lot of people who don't speak Spanish. Did you ever find yourself kind of like, like it or not being pulled into the translator?
2: always
4: every day my talk life talk a little bit about that like are there good like trends because like i obviously very different but like I, I i was just because i was one of those people that, like i would get punished for speaking english at home because my parents knew like if we let this kid speak english at home then yeah it's over once yeah. it gets to school right sure. so like in kindergarten i was playing a little bit of translator you have an early 20s you know version of that so talk a little bit about like what that dynamic was where you end up kind of being like a cultural bridge in uh in, in for sure yeah. so
1: from day one the day i signed you know i signed and you know now i got teammates from venezuela dominican and you know guys don't know english so right away they're like oh jay you know spanish and so I'm, I'm thrown into a role of like translating or a coach wants to get a message across to a player and i'm kind of in the middle and then for me it was kind of weird where you know you know down here my Oh, we're, we're, we're Latin, we're Cuban, you know, I was born here, but, you know, we have that, we have that sense of, you know, like, no, we're Cuban, we're, we're Latin. But then I go to pro ball and like the Latin guys that are born Dominican, they're no, 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 you're American. You're American. Right, right, right. And I'm like, dude, what's going on? But then the guys that are American born here, you know, from, you know, other parts of the country, they're like, no, no, you're Latin. So I was, I've always been in, in the middle of the whole thing. And, you know, so I was always thrown in the translator role, and I would always kind of like, you know, making sure everything was smooth between everybody. I was, I was always that middle man. Were wherever. you
4: ever, like, in a heated situation that a translator was needed, like like a Spanish speaker and an English speaker were having an argument? Uh,
1: no arguments, really. I, I got lucky with no arguments, no arguments, for sure.
4: But at the same time, too, I was kind of that
1: guy that would, like, kind of have to explain, like, different cultures, you know? Like, that's all it is, okay. right? We're all different. We're all, you Like, know, what we, kind
4: of things needed explanation?
1: I am understand. Just anything. Like, you know, guys wouldn't understand. We're, like... Um, you know, things would happen where, like, I just kind of had to explain, like, you know, cultural things where, like, you know, guys would, would be doing different things and they, they wouldn't understand what was going on.
4: Okay. And now, the return of Michael Beltran from the bathroom break. And if you'd like to sponsor our bathroom breaks, it's ads at Dave Mag. Yeah, well, I'll say something else on that, too. Go for it. But then, uh, you know, and <laughs>
1: speaking Spanish has been one of the biggest <laughs> strengths for me where, you know, it's really helped me out a lot where... You know, even these opportunities I'm getting now, as a coach, where I'm able to really communicate with the land players, and American players, I can communicate
4: with everybody. So it's, it's something that's a, yeah. it's a, it's a huge advantage for me. So the question that we asked while Michael Beltran was uh, doing BB was uh, <laughs> about, uh, about John Jay's being a, a bilingual Miami guy and whether that ended up pulling him into the uh, translator role sometimes.
1: It? On team. Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. no, you
4: miss this whole thing. And I think the, the funniest part with that-, that is right.
1: My name John Jay. It's like you guys are like, you know. So I I showed yeah, clubhouse yeah. and you're like, also I'd- Young Ye. Young Ye, that's it. Young Ye. So I I talk Spanish to guys and they're like, whoa, you know Spanish? Like what's going on here? I thought you were, you know. And then like the American guys like, oh, you know. And so I always I'd always show- guys and even in the big leagues I get the stop sometimes. And, you know, um, you know. There's one time in the short time. I was like, "Man, I, I had no idea you're Spanish." Like, what? like, cause I said, "You know, hey, what's going on in Spanish?" Yeah. And they looked at me like, "What?" Like, you know, Spanish? I had no idea you're Spanish. Yeah. So, and I, it still happens to this day. What is the what, what is the
4: story actually with your last name?
1: So, Jay, I think it. I think it's pretty much it's French, and then but you know we migrated you know, in the 1800s yeah. or 1700s or whatnot. But you know, in Spanish, it's just hi. You know, it's hi. But I was so, mad- so your family. The older people would say hi. Hi, yeah, señor, wow. hi, senora hi. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then this it's funny because... my mind right yeah, now. It's funny my because... My mind is blocked. Yeah. As, as a kid growing up here, you know, everybody... You know, when we grew up in the 90s, everyone was Cuban-American. I mean, it was just... Everybody was, for the, for the most part. Yeah. And it was almost like kids were telling at school, like, yo, you're not Cuban, you know, your name's Jonathan Henry J. I'm like, I'm Cuban, you know. My grandparents are, you know, from my... and Santiago, like, both sides. are like, oh, once And I know both sides. And I used to tell my parents at that time when I was young, I was like, hey, when I'm 18, I'm changing my name. I'm like I want a more Latin name than my name is, you know. So yeah. it was just. Did so you was, have
4: an idea what you wanted the name to be?
1: No, I had no idea.
4: You know that you remember Marlins kid, the kid that like lifted his shirt. And yeah, started, yeah, yeah, that's Jonathan.
1: Jonathan. Yeah. Which is funny.
4: I forget my name. He's the is. kid that lifted his. Yeah, there was the this kid, kid that, who became like internet famous. Oh,
0: because of the whole like.
4: Yeah, and that was yeah, that was, thing. His, like, his name like, was Jonathan. Jonathan. Was it Jonathan? It was Jonathan, and he went Jonah, on. He, he went on. Uh, I forget the name of the show, but the host's name was is. Carlucho. Uh, like on like, on like Mega, on Mega TV or something. Like Carluga. Like Kaluba, but this is Carlucho. And Jonathan, Marlon's kid, went on Carlucho's show and they had the backup dancers go with like their skimpy outfits and this kid's like uh, nine years old and they're <laughs> dancing around it and they had a song ready for him and they went, Mira como baila, Jonathan. Baila, baila. <laughs> <laughs> and
3: he's. They oh, they
1: so, yeah, I, find, I, forget I forget my So, I forget my name Jonathan. Sometimes I'm like, wow, yeah. my I just that's know that's you true. as Jay. Jay, it's funny when I meet people. I don't even know what to say Like someone would be like, "Oh, this is John." And I'm like, "Oh, hey, what's up, Jay?" And I'm like, it's always like off.
4: You know? what, what do people call you uh, in baseball? Like your teammates? Jay. Yeah, you know, that's, John. Like, that's how you Jay. would introduce yourself. People call me Jay. Jay, John. Two Js, uh, two J's. oh, two Js. Like, I like two chains. Oh, two chains, two two J's, J's, two J's. J's Like two Js. I like that. So the the question that I wanted to get into that I thought would be good for the two of you to play off each other a little bit, uh, you know, and I think from like a maybe I'm wrong because maybe as a player you found yourself at some point like in like a mentor kind of role to younger yeah, guys, but talk a little bit about what it is about you that you think like because you mentioned that like it's. That you're drawn to that role, like what it is about you that um, that you think makes you a good fit for that kind of coaching role, and what are you uh, in in baseball? Like maybe it's not particularly baseball, but what do you see in young guys that? you identify as like, okay, this person is especially coachable. Like what, what do you, what's like, what does your radar function look like? And then I won't ask a question to him, but I'm sure that you'll, he'll say things that I'm sure you can play off of with young people, you know, on your teams in the restaurants, because I'm sure there's a lot of overlap. For sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. He's making a face like there might not be. No, I
1: mean, uh, yeah.
0: No, it is. it is,
1: It is. It's at the clubhouse. You gotta, you gotta keep the clubhouse in order. I mean. The locker room listen if work ethic is there
0: work ethic is there period i i mean um, you can have the most talent in the world but if you don't want to be
1: coached then there's not much that someone can do for you yeah and that's why i think it's like you said like work ethic it's great right but then the combination of being able to be coach is i mean now now you're a rock star right because You have the work ethic, but now you can take like, hey, this is what I experienced, you know. Take this and you can do that. And those are the guys and that's, those are the kids that you really look for where like they got great work ethic and then you're like, all right, I can take my experience and and really like take it to the next level. And it happens a lot faster than than what they think is gonna happen because you you have that knowledge, you have that experience.
0: I also think that like in your world, what may be different is like those kids that have like the immense amount of talent they've been told their entire life that they have an immense amount of talent. In our world, a lot of times, the immense amount of talent is downgraded to just like you're a grunt. You're a workhorse. We're never gonna promote you because, you know, like, I don't know, whatever. Because people are dumb. (laughs) I don't fucking, I like, I don't... I've never totally gotten it. Like, you know, one of the... Few talents I feel like I have is that, like, you can zone in on people that have, like, an incredible amount of talent and just, like, really capitalize on that and not only show them that they have it, but just explain to them how to make it better. In your case, I feel like it's the opposite. Like, kids that have talent at a young age, they're probably told that they have talent at a young age. In our game, like,
1: it's not like that. No, and and the kids that do have talent, you are told you have talent, but like, especially in baseball, like, it's such a nitpick every little part of the game, right? So, like, you know, they can say about me, like, oh, yeah, you can, you can get hits and you can get for everything, oh, but you don't hit for power. Like, there's always but the this moment or but, like, they will nitpick and, like, drive at every, like, any little thing like that. So, you have to learn how to deal with that, right? Like, dealing with adversity, like we talked about, like, dealing with somebody trying to coach you up of saying, like, hey, you're really good at this. But if you don't fix this little thing, then you're not going to get to this point. What was the thing that you never fixed? Oh, my arm. <laughs>
4: <laughs> what, what What? got in the way of fixing it? Like, was that a thing that you were consciously trying to no, fix? That no, tried- that's
1: just like physical, my physical, like, that was just a limitation I had. Like, my body just didn't have that, you know? It's funny, like, I joke around, like, I could throw a football better than I do baseball. And people would laugh because of the way I throw baseball. They're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, like... I could throw a football, cause I don't know something about this. It's, but like this thing to me it was like I don't know if like I don't, I don't know. It was just it, it just wasn't there for me. But I knew then I had to be just quicker, right? I had to get to the ball, just get rid of it quicker. And, I, and I'll tell my infielders like, and also I'm getting traded to so many teams where like I'd have to tell the shortstop like, hey man, when the ball gets it to me, I need you to be right here. Like don't go. I'm not I'm not your traditional guy that can like just sit back and do like come do this and that. So like. I'll kind of make my adjustments off of that with my arm, which I knew
4: was always my biggest weakness. Interesting.: I know you haven't been in life after baseball for that long.: But he's back in baseball. No, I know, but life after like being a player, and now you know there's this tequila on the table because you brought it, and talk a little I bit of
0: some it. tequila. That means it's a long night, oh, baby. I I don't ever drink tequila. So you like, go. you know, we're we're in for it. Yeah. here. We're in
1: for it. Lo siento, bro. Lo siento. lo
0: siento. There's a whole thing.
3: What is this? Right uh,
4: there bro. right
0: there. Yeah, no, dude, Oh, that's siento. right. It's a whole logo. Yeah, live like
4: long that. and lo siento. <laughs> um talk, but uh you know, talk a little bit about lessons from baseball that you've found apply, cuz I I maybe I'm like making this up in my head but I imagine baseball at that level is so like all consuming that you maybe don't even realize until you're out of baseball what lessons you're learning that will serve you outside of it does that make sense for sure for sure I think with baseball the biggest thing is like we said it's like the restaurant business
1: right like we pick every single day. You have to show up every single day. You don't have time to sit back and be like, oh, yeah, I did great today. But like, when you're in it,
4: you're not thinking like, oh, this is a lesson that's going to serve me when I get into X, Y, and Z. Like, no, but
1: but but I take that same attitude and those same things of like, yeah. I got to grind every single day to get to this point. Like, all right, this, all right, you know, in business, right? Like, okay, I, I have a meeting with, you know, whatever it is. All right, now I got to get to this point. Now you got to execute. Now you got to get to this point. So, like, I've taken that from that of, like, that discipline, that routine and just, like, you know, seeing things. Seeing things through and, and also the failure part of it, right? Where like you can get a meeting and then it might go horrible. All right, cool. we we'll move on to the next one. Same thing as like, you know, I'm baseball, I'm 0 for 4. Uh, 0 for 3, 0 for 3. But it's like, all right, maybe I made a play to help the team with something else. So that's the way I look at business, right? Where like it might have not have gone well, but what did I learn from that? And I take that and then go on to the next meeting. And, and I just keep, you know, sharpening myself with, with stuff like that, especially for me, like. You know, the last two years, I've really tried to, you know, get into my, like, entrepreneurial role of doing things. So, like, like, the tequila company, I, I had a good um, opportunity to, um, my buddy and I, we invested in it, and, like, we didn't even know what was going on. Like, we were just like, all right, we're going to invest. We think it's a great product. I love the team behind it. I'm big in, on teams, right? Like, you can have a great product. It's cool. But, like, if you are not the team to execute and do the things the right way, then it doesn't matter what you have. So, like, a lot of my basis is on that. So, you know, those are the kind of the lessons I I've, I've taken and it's the same thing I took from, from baseball, right? Where yeah, there's I've been on talented teams but guys didn't get along or guys are selfish or we're not it's not gonna work. It doesn't matter how much talent you have. So those are kind of the lessons I've taken now into the business world and, and, and what I'm doing, especially like even now with the Marlins job, right? I'm super excited because we you know, the players super talented team, right? But on the leadership side now, like we have great leaders and guys that I know what they're about. I know exactly who they are. They're accountable guys. They're going to bring in every single day. So just by knowing how the coaching staff is and I can get along with them, I know we're going to make an impact on the players, yeah. right? And then now our job is what? Like, you know, to get them to buy in. Like, hey, this is how we do things and this is why we do things and get on that personal relationship. So I think it's all intertwined. Like, you know, all those lessons you had in football, like you're using those now even with... When you do, when you know you're doing it, even when you don't know you're doing oh, it. Oh no, I use them all the time, all the time, all the all time. time, all the time. All the time. It, it all goes to that, right? And it's like you know, your work ethic comes from the same thing of like, you know, I wasn't the most talented player. I was five seven. I knew, I but I knew like if I worked hard, I can go to college, and that helped you get to college, and you know, helped you get those things. And so I'm applying those same principles that I learned in baseball now to, to you know, to, on uh, out right. the real world because you know, baseball is a cr- a crazy, you know world that's it's, it's not it's, it's not real what, I, what I've gotten to do this so. 12 years so. yeah I mean I think the,
0: the reality is it always boils down to like the team like if someone understands what it takes to build a good team because it's not just like a star player or a great x y and z it takes so much more there's so much more like foundation behind that there's so much foundation building behind that that people don't see and that's okay it's okay to not see like what it takes to build the foundation, but like understanding what it takes to build the foundation, that's what like real leadership is about. And you know, like it's true. Like the, the shit that I learned playing ball for ten years, like I still talk about it to this day, a thousand percent. Like I still talk about it exhaustingly to this day because it's like your worst player, you need to. Work to get your worst player to be your best player, no matter what, and and whether he he or she continues to be that worst player, like get them on par to understand what it takes to be successful. That's what it takes to build like a great team. And you know, I, I mean, cooking is a team game. You know that that's cooking is a team game. You know that that's that's why I love the star so much. That's why I love. I actually do love all the awards that we've been nominated for. It's just like, it's not a me game. It's, it's a, it's a him game. It's a team game. It's like the whole fucking thing, man. Like what it takes to build that culture. And when people buy in, it's so strong. It's so strong. Like when they buy in, it's, you're not, you're not trying to convince them to be better. They're, they are building the culture themselves. You know, and, and that's what winning culture is all about. Like, and it's fucking hard, man. It's hard. It's fucking crazy how hard it is. People don't understand how hard that shit is to build. It's, you can have a, uh, the, it's something I think about all the time. It's like, you have a great player, you have a great dish, right? Like the great dish only gets you so far. The great player only gets you so far. Because you still need all this other shit to make it work. It's fucking wild.
1: Yeah, it's wild. Not, it's awesome how everything has to come together. And you know, it's like, you know, you you're great yeah, at what you do, but like the bigger challenge is like, all right, it's easy for me because I have work. But like now, it's like, all right, how do I teach what I can do to, to the next person, and to the next person, and the next person? Well, you know, what's interesting is like identifying the work ethic, identifying that
0: in in, in a person, like seeing that in somebody, seeing like. It's what we call, like, do, are, are they a dog? Are they a dog? Are they going to fight for you? Are they going to fucking claw for you? Like, are they a dog or are they not a dog? You gonna have the best resume in the world. You can have the best background in the world. But you may not You may not fit. And that's okay. That's fine. You, could, you may fit somewhere else. But, f- but for us and the culture that we built as, like, a whole company... I'm sure the same thing works in teams. Like, just may not fit.
1: Not for sure. And that's where, you know, I think you said leadership is like identifying that, right? Like understanding like how to push, you know, you're going to push everyone's button in a
0: different way, right? Well, but the hard part is like when it goes from being being the dog to being the leader. Like being the dog to being the leader is like that. And it could be a year. It could be four years. It could be two years. It could be fucking three months. Like that—that that bridge point of growth as a human being is like it's—it's it's tough because, like, dogging it out every single day to now identifying dogs and identifying people who believe in culture and—and and that's tough because. Not only is it tough from the point that you have to identify that, now you have to remove yourself from that. You have to remove yourself from the culture of like being in it every single day to like being on the outside and being like, okay, do these people have what it takes? Because you've you you obviously have you've won championships, you've been part of championship culture, you've been part of all those things, like the work ethic part.
1: Now removing yourself, like you know you have it. How do you see it in somebody else? That's the biggest challenge. Cause, it's, like I said, like it's, it's easy for me to like, all right, when when I play like, all right, to, all right, do this, do that. Like, I didn't need anyone to tell me anything. I literally would like plan my whole all season. I would plan all the things, and now it's like, all right, now I have to guide guys in this, and and, and really like, like you said, you have to pick and choose your spots, and like, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's it's a chall- It's a fun challenge. It's a great fun challenge where it's like, and so it's like for me with my kids, right? It's the same thing, where I got to sit down with my kids and I'm teaching them how to handle different moments and I'm teaching them how to handle different things and I look at that now with my players it's the same exact thing where like I'm, I'm instilling my knowledge and my experience and like alright here's a way you can handle it but like you said on a removed level which is the hardest part for me well you know challenge. you know what's
0: interesting is because like it's a removed level but we're not old right <laughs> okay <laughs> let's relax I mean I'm we're, younger and I feel like I'm pretty fucking old right now <laughs> we're not old like you could probably still do it right like i mean i i every day i feel like i will fucking crush these kids every single day you know what i mean and it's like okay but like you can't you have to build the culture now you have to step away you have to build that culture you have to build that like belief you have to build that you know nurturing to the next generation so they can nurture the generation that's after them you know, and it's and it's super fucking tough, challenging. It's a challenge, right? Because like it's um like you could still hit balls, you could still throw balls. Like I could still fucking crush a, a saute station. I could still crush like whatever station. But it's like you have to remove yourself and be like, we're building. It's it's the building blocks to a the next generation, and it's a little bit. It's humbling at the same time, like how it was
1: humbling at the beginning, and it's it's pretty heavy. Yeah. it's pretty heavy. Like you said, it's like humbling in the beginning. Like I'm like I, like that's what I told myself, like I'm grow myself. I've, I had my career as a player, and like now I'm starting at the bottom as a coach. You know, like hey, I'm I'm here, and like now I'm gonna, you know, I want to work myself up to be a, a great coach, right? Which I haven't done that yet. So for me personally, like that's like it's fun waking up every day of like, all right, how am I gonna get myself better as a coach, and you know, the playoff. So, So, that's like you know we talked about the. That's my next journey right now. You know, that's the journey that I'm on now. Where, as a coach, like I want to get to that destination of like you know winning World Series as a coach, having my outfielders win Gold Gloves, having the best base stealer in the big leagues. You know, like and having that pride of like you know knowing that like you know you played your part. Like they did all the work, but you know behind the scenes leading them to that part. So that journey now is what like i live for it's 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 uh it's fun waking up every day and like thinking about these things and and just uh you know challenging myself in this new role well look how long it took for dusty baker to win a
0: chip how long was he in major league baseball dude forever forever and still doing it and he's still doing it i mean like i don't remember the stat he was in the league player coach whatever 40 plus years yeah. and he finally won a chip like I mean, you won a chip at 26, 26, you know, and there's probably other people that have won chips younger, you know, like it's just the way that life works out and the way that it, it like it shakes out for everyone is, it's very different. Like the next journey that you choose and how you choose to live it and how you choose to like own that moment. It's, it's different for everybody. So I don't know. Did I totally get off track with like the question that you asked, or no? Uh,
4: no, I mean it was just sort of generally about leadership and you know young talent on a team. So you know, more or less in the. Well, I, I I think, think that thing. young
0: talent is talent is one thing. Work ethic and understanding what it takes to put that talent to practice is a completely different. So, like, you could be the most talented individual in the world, but not understand how to put that into practice, and that's when good coaching comes into play. And if you understand what it takes to take that good coaching and be like, okay, like, all right, I'm going to take what this person is telling me, and I'm actually going to, like, apply it, it's a totally different
4: aspect. Great. Would you agree? Absolutely. I love that. Well said. I love that. Man, what a podcast host.
0: I do my best, man. I do my. B- Thank you so much. Thank you. I love
4: that.
3: Yeah. yeah!
4: yeah! <laughs> I was going a little overboard? The crowd got overexcited. You know, it was all that lo siento. <laughs> there you go. That they've been sipping on. Um, how are you feeling, Mike? You wanna, I'm feeling great, man. You want to wind things down? You got other things you want to get into? Um, like we've been on baseball. I don't know if you want to get into other non-baseball things. Well, no. I mean, we, we've
0: we've talked life after baseball, sure, yeah. because it it leads back into baseball now. Because we're like a first base coach now, and and but now we also have uh, tequila, which I've had some of, and yeah. that's why we're so spicy tonight. That's good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. We're so
4: spicy. I, you know, I feel extra spicy today. I caramba. <laughs> Uh, I, I think given that we're like kind of shifting into a little bit of a lull here, I think okay. this is a good time uh-huh. to call in uh, Chef Manny, who um, I'm so worried about this. He's got he's got things. Oh, man, prepared, I'm so worried about this. He's prepared this. a situation. I, I'd like for Manny to explain what is even happening here. There's two Sharpies and I'm concerned. want an autograph? That's it. So welcome home. Oh, OK. Very good. Uh. Manny uh, has prepared autograph-related materials for both Two two
0: pictures? (laughs) Man, I look so good in this photo.
2: (laughs) Oh,
3: man. (laughs)
2: That's so good.
3: I got to tell you.
4: (laughs) Show it to that camera right there
0: in front of you. So, this photo of me, it's probably one of my better... So, I, at the time, I owned two button-up shirts. I wore this one and suspenders, but also what was the key to this entire photo shoot was the fact that I wore Captain Crunch socks. So good. And I got the most comments about the Captain Crunch socks right here, those right there, that I have ever gotten in my entire life. Sock game, man. The sock game is strong. My sock, sock game, game is super, is super strong. strong. Right now, I believe I'm wearing. What am I wearing? Uh, this is Bob Ross, I think.
4: Bob sure. Ross. No, this is a,
0: this is a, what's his name? Mister um, uh, Mr. Rogers. Mister Rogers. Mister Rogers sucks. Nice. Yeah, no, the sock game is strong. So you want me to sign? Do you want me to say, sign this? Chef. Go fuck yourself, Chef Manny. That's great. <laughs> or what? You <laughs>
2: Okay,
4: that's fine. So good. Um, do you want to transition into a wind-down from oh, here? Do you have
0: a... Man, you can tell he's a pro because he's asking how to spell. Yeah, this man, is he not here. his first rodeo. No, you can tell he's a fucking pro because he's asking how to spell your
4: name. I, actually, actually, this is a, a thing that I wanted to get into uh, before. This is a good time for it. Do you have, like, a most memorable, whether it was good or bad, most memorable fan interaction? Uh, like, is there a story that you find yourself telling about, like, oh, this one time I met this fan?
1: Uh, no, not right. Just in general, like, uh, there's a guy that he collects all my stuff. Like, yeah. Every, Oh, yeah? yeah. Everything. Where is every jersey? St. Louis, here? He's from the Midwest. Okay. He's from the Midwest. Like Car Car Train? Car Car So like he has all my stuff. But like he has like UN jerseys, he has like... Every team I've been on, like... Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. Just you or...? Just for me personally, like
4: my personal collections. Why you? Like, He's just a fan. He's just a fan of me. But did you, like, have you interacted with him? Yeah, yeah. I talked to him. I talked so to So, like, have you ever asked him, like, why me? Why not any of the other guys? Nah, he just
1: he just says I like the way you play and I just like the way you are. All that stuff. It's like weird. But so how does like, that feel for you? It's amazing. Yeah, it's I'm like, of all Is people, it? me. I, yeah, I know Mike probably <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't feel the same way about no,
0: it. No, I don't. It's okay.
1: Yeah. So it, it's cool and like you know, like I like collecting stuff. So like that. I yeah. like, and he'll have stuff in mind. I'm like, oh man, like oh uh, yeah, I remember this or I remember that and. It's crazy. Like it has like bags and bats and helmets and like, you know, we have like name tags in the locker room and, like, so he has like everything. How does he get like name tags? So like, yeah. So do? I mean, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll, uh, they'll grab those and put them, they'll sell them in the, in, uh, the, the team, one. the team, one, the team. One, the team one. Okay. Yeah. So he goes to all the auction stuff. He goes all to all the stuff online. And like, you know, there's so much access to stuff now. It's, like, yeah, crazy. Yeah. So like, for example, like, you know, when we break a bat or whatnot, the team would get it and we'd usually autograph it and then they'd sell it in the team store. Okay, So that's kind of uh, how that would work. So them.
4: related question. Oh, so, you know, of the memorabilia that's been made of your stuff, because I know I have like a little bit of a view into that because I used to be into the card thing. So there's all like the jersey swatches. Like, do you have a personal favorite John Jay piece? That you've, I, maybe you have it or maybe you just, you just know it exists in You're the world. of sports industry, that's the card. Yeah, yeah, but like a memory, like a, you know, like a collectible. I, I know like that's kind of a collectible.
1: That, but never, I don't think I'm, a, I never got like a bobblehead, like a, a big one of that. But either. like one that you
4: saw that you were like, wait, oh, that's pretty fucking cool.
1: Um,
4: Other than the picture that you have in front of you right now that
1: you just said, This one's legit. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. It's all been pretty normal stuff. Yeah. Like all
4: right. Out of the ordinary. All right. Mike, you got anything you want to do before we go into the wind-down? I'm just... Yeah, I'm looking up John J. Rookie card. Oh, that's good. That's good. We'll put this up uh, with the magic of editing We will uh, later um, on, man. Um, All right, so we're going to transition into our wind-down. Usually what we do is we start with parting recommendations. So this is different from our shameless plugs. Parting (laughs) recommendations is where you recommend literally... Dude, I found... You found a rookie card? I did. Yeah, is a good? Two bucks, bro. Two bucks.
0: Yeah, I know. You're gonna you, sign this. What are you on eBay? Two bucks. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna sign this motherfucker, man. I'm yeah. gonna Ooh. frame this and put yeah. it in my office. Nice.
1: This is so good. Nice. We got your jersey, bro. Yeah, I know, you know, but this where, is so, about so The good goes, right next to I got this goes right next to it. A real jersey. Yeah. yeah.
0: I just want to confirm that this is you because you look a lot skinnier here. No, it's normal.
4: No, you worked out a lot. Good for you. So you can recommend anything as long as it's not your stuff because then we're going to do shameless plugs. Oh, afterwards. So it could be a a book you read, a movie you watched, a song, like whatever, and you can do as many as you want. But something you want to recommend to people. You can go first, or you can let other people go so you have a little bit of time to think about okay. it because I know we're springing this on you. Definitely think about it. Well, you got party. What ready? are we doing? Party recommendations. Oh, yeah, I do actually. Yeah, you're ready. I'm, tra- I'm
0: trying to buy this card though. Hold all right, on. so, I'm, okay, gonna,
4: so I'm, I'm gonna make a couple of recommendations. Yeah, you you go first. So one recommendation is the Get Upside app. It's called Get Upside. This is an app that there's a bunch of merchants on it. February 9th. you do a purchase, you take a picture of your receipt, you get a little money back. Good for a lot of gas stations, and also all of the area Hospitality Group things. I got like eight bucks. From a Chug's bill earlier today. You're welcome. Well, I don't know if that, like, I don't know how that works on the back end, but I have no idea how that works. So, eight bucks. Uh, Hit up the office. Also, I'm recommending Revolution in the Ring. This is a 30 for 30 short. So, it's like, you told me about this. Yeah, it's like under 30 minutes. It's about uh, Teofimo Stevenson. Um, Did I get the name right? That's his name, the boxer. Cuban boxer. Yeah. I mean, you can say Teofimo if you're a
0: super... How is it spelled? Teofimo. Oh, but just how is it spelled?
4: T-O-F-I-M-O, I believe. Teofimo. Yeah, not... Sure. I mean, yeah, if you want to say it like that. That's how people say his name. Yeah, Pastelitos and Teofimos. Um, okay. So, te- Teofimo Stevenson. Uh, documentary about him. I will say uh, it is loaded with a lot of... Uh, questionable takes on Cuba and the Cuban government. As an example, I forget where this came from, but like somebody in the documentary, maybe it was like one of the people interviewed, talks about how like one of his famous lines, so the story of Delphimo Stevenson was that he was an amateur Cuban boxer, ostensibly like at least outwardly super pro revolution, and a lot of the documentary is about the fact that, like, there was this push to have to put together a fight between him and Muhammad Ali that never happened. Uh, and so, like, you know, boxing fans talk about, like, this fight that never happened as, like, one of the greatest fights that never happened. Um, a, I would recommend watching it just because, like, it's a compelling... The I would also say that, like, take a lot of the detail with a grain of salt because they say things like, for example... How, you know, in a press conference or something, somebody was asked, you know, uh, he was asked about why he turned down a certain amount of money to fight uh, Ali, and he said something like, you know, I would rather have uh, love of however many millions of Cubans than however many millions of dollars. And he said, oh, well, you know, these were things that he really felt because, you know, back in those days, boxers didn't have PR. Like, yeah, maybe Muhammad Ali didn't have a massive PR machine, but the Ovalon Stevenson had the biggest PR machine in the hemisphere of the Cuban dictatorship, so like, relax. I'm sure he was fed that line to say, and if he wasn't fed it, he said it, at least conscious that like, if he said anything else, it was gonna be a problem. Uh, But a compelling story, I recommend this documentary. It's like an interesting thing to be aware of. So, Revolution in the Ring, 30 for 30 30 short. I love that. Yeah, what you got? Wow.
0: You go first. Oh, man.
3: (laughs) On the spot.
1: Uh, Man, on the spot. I mean, I'd say.
3: (laughs) I love this. It's so good.
0: This whole thing, this new world of Punkum Podcast
1: is so good.
3: I know. Maybe not for everyone.
1: Hey, man. What I got for you is uh, I recommend reading the book The Mamba Mentality. Oh, okay. Oh. You know, everybody wants to say like, and you see it now, like, kids old hashtag, all mama mentality. They're like, no, 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 like, read the book and see what this was really about. Like, when you see Kobe Bryant's, you know, FEMA the night work I think, like, it was ridiculous, you know? Like, he talks about, like, yeah, so get up at 3 so I can get a workout from 4 to 6, you know, eat breakfast, hang out for a couple hours, and then I'd get another workout in, and then hang out and then get another workout in, and that's why he was... He was and won championships and was great, you know. So, I think for me, it like really details, and and like said, we talked about today, like you can apply all these things to everything.
4: That was accidental. That I mean, was. I mean,
1: like, <laughs> Co- like Kobe.
0: So, I, I like his, like, I can't, it's like, I can't, I don't, right? I, I obviously don't love to like wake up every morning and like go work out and then. What I do is to like motivate myself. I listen to Kobe interviews sick, and it's just like, it's automatic. It's like that guy's mentality was like second to none. He was a fucking legend. Like he was just like, I didn't want to do it and I did it anyways. And I'm just like, they're jumping like 25 minutes of rope. And I'm like, I fucking hate this. And you just (laughs) listen to Kobe and you're just like, he hated it too. But he did it because he wanted to be better than everyone else. And it's like, obviously, we're older. So, like, I'm sitting there. Boxing against kids that are, like, 10, 12 years younger than me. And I'm like, you know, I'm doing this because I really, like, I'm pushing myself to do it. You're doing it because you think you have a chance. (laughs) Like, you think you have a chance. And the fact that I'm going to beat you up for the next three rounds, like, you probably don't have a chance. But like Kobe pushing it to that point. Every single day. It, it's it's every day. It's wild. Like that dude, he was
1: on a different level. Yeah. He really was. And it was cool watching that Netflix documentary on the I forgot what the, the USA team that uh, what the redemption team and all that and like like Kobe came to that team and like
3: Carmelo and Z Wayne and like LeBron. and like
2: he
1: showed these guys like these guys Like what work ethic, you know, they all had work ethic, but he showed them like really like, no, this is what it takes. This is, and they're talking about, I think it was Carmelo's like, yeah, you know, I'm coming home from going out and I see Kobe in the elevator and like, he's going to go work on the gym. And I was like, oh man, what is going on here right now? You know, so like, for me, like that book is, it's awesome. It really just highlights things. I love looking up stuff there all the time, which is like, you know, constant little reminders that we need to, you know, get this point. So I try to make it a point to, like, get younger guys that book. Um, I remember when I was in the White Sox, I think it was. I remember I bought a bunch of those books and, and just, you know, gave it to all the kids. They're like, hey, check out this book. Like, take it personal. You know, like, read what it's saying and, like, take it personal for real. So that's my one. I wanted to do Uh,
0: This is part of your recommendations. Correct. Okay. So I watched a documentary that was on HBO about the saga between uh, Gotti Ward the uh, Mickey Ward fucking you know like Mickey Ward was like a journeyman boxer and then he boxed against Gotti beat him the first time lost a second time lost a third time but then they became like very good friends and Gotti was like this very talented boxer but he just like wasn't the guy right like he boxed against several other people ended up getting like split super hard but he was like i just want one more match one more match one more match he ended up ended up he ended up coaching the guy mickey ward ended up being the guy in his corner for his last bout and just like that whole documentary was like it was really eye-opening to the world of boxing like how i think personal and how intense it is for people that are like true boxers like how and take it to like they take it to another level that they shouldn't take it to i mean Gotti should have retired before he ended up dying very like weird strange circumstance anyways the documentary is great i recommend that very heavily uh it's on hbo max i was a fan
4: and now for Shameless Plugs. I got one more recommendation. Wow. <laughs> okay.
3: All right. Go, That's for fine. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. I just
0: it. I actually I did a uh, I did a thing I never do. Right. Okay, there it is. I did a thing I never do. I don't like working out with people. I love to work out by myself. I don't really love people. So like, you know, like I like to just work out, do my thing. My 90 minutes alone, whatever it is. So I did a group workout for my good friend Lynette Cairo, right? On a Saturday.
4: Of with Men's that. Health fame. Of what? Men's Health.
0: Maybe. Oh, she was in Men's Health with me. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Um. She did this group workout. We went. Um, It was great.
4: This was at uh, Fingata. Let me finish. So, sorry. Let am sorry, there's a lot of dead air here with this. Thing. I mean, Rachel and I go, apparently like the workout started at 10, we got there at 10.20, the,
0: the invite's at 10.30, but whatever, that's semantics, uh, I'll that be- That sounds
4: available. like not semantics, that sounds like somebody fucked up the invite. That, that sounds time. like people need to calendar me at the right time, that's all I'm that saying. That sounds like somebody doesn't understand the Cairo concept of a calendar
0: <laughs> <laughs> <But, laughs> invite. <right. laughs> So anyways, we show up, we do this workout, it was fine. They give me a drink ticket. Great. At this point, I'm like, you know, I, I really want to go home after the thing, I'm done. I get a drink ticket, I go to the bar at think I have one drink. Floodgates open. I have
4: more drinks. Great.
0: I have more drinks, and then Eileen is with us, we have more food. The food was delicious, we had a great time, service was awesome. Um, I was, I was very happy with the experience that we had yeah. and the entire like thing from like service, food, the whole time. It was a very good time. We got to get Eileen back in here.
2: We need to get Eileen loose. I don't you know, know
3: like I having a
0: good time. She wasn't like having a good time. She was we'll like, get we'll like,
4: get her in here with some Lo Siento. Yeah.
0: You know, yeah. like, you know, we get to keep Lo Ciento on the table all day, all yeah. every day. They'll be here all week. I'll, what I'll do is I'll put Lo Ciento with the Sports Illustrated on one side. And now that I own the rookie card that it will be here on February 7th. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the other side, we'll just do this like, whole shrine to John Jay. We should really have
4: him sign that bottle of Lo Siento. Woof, woof. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I got all the good ideas over here. Man, thank God you're here next. <sighs> Jeez. Ads a date,
3: Mag.co.
4: <laughs> um,. Alright, so uh, Shameless Plugs. No, you didn't do Shameless Plugs. You did. A, you added a uh, parting recommendation thing. I added one. Okay. I have a Shameless Plug. So, okay, well, we'll let our guests do Shameless Plugs. All the places that people can find you and your stuff online in the world. Oh, man. So, here, here we go. Instagram, web, whatever. Whatever you want to tell people. Find so the Miami Bar. Yes. yes. First so, uh, you know, obviously,
1: come visit the park. Come say what's up at the, at the Martin Stadium. And then on uh, the other side, visit LosientoTequila.com. Uh, also involved with slate chocolate milk. So, you know, you, you can have some tequila. And then in the morning, you know, you can have some, some chocolate milk as well. So, uh, slate <laughs> chocolate milk as well. And then- if
4: you need sunglasses. <laughs> I like that,
1: I like that You can have tequila and chocolate milk in the morning. Chocolate milk in the morning. You know, yeah. after your workout, Chug, we'll hook you up. Yeah, yeah. And I love then, that. Uh, you know, the days, you know, and then when you want to ro- road around, you know, we got to hook you up, you know, check out tomahawkshades.com for, for affordable
4: sunglasses. Tom? TomahawkShades.com. Man, what a man. world! Wow, yeah. what a world! Like I said, ads at DadeMag.com. Huh? Yeah. Um, shameless plugs, Mike.
1: And then one more. I one oh more. sure, I yeah. Go oh, sure. I go for it. My T-shirt here, friends and family. What Miami is that? Miami stuff. Right you can here.
0: find it at Urban Outfitters nationwide. That's right. That's it, right. Really? Okay. I'm so good nationwide. at this
1: ads thing. Look at this. For so friends and family, you know, local uh, local guy. Uh, yeah. It's amazing. So I'm happy to support local. Vic Garcia as well on the hat. So uh, I like to keep yeah. it uh, Dade County, you know. That's it. Michael Beltran,
0: Shameless plug. So I have two parts to the Shameless plugs. Yep. Maybe three. Go for it. It depends when the shit's released. You do what you do. So I don't it. know. You got to but do what the you got
4: first it. part is all the things. Soon soon we'll have a button for the song, but yeah.
3: All
1: things. Very good. Uh, wait, 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 I gotta, go man, for it. it. Go for it. You got me inspired again, so... uh we talked about earlier sitting in this room how we used to have the after, we had an after party a couple of times, the after party, like a little dinner. Uh, for the, for, um, I still charity event benefiting the Boys and Girls Club. So I'm happy to announce that we had the J Family Foundation and we're going to be having an event in June in Miami and we're going to be doing more things in the community as well. So uh, nice. be on the lookout for J Family Foundation. So, love that. That's good stuff. Love that. AKA
4: the High Family Foundation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Hi. I love that. Hi, everybody. <laughs> um, so uh final shameless plugs. Uh are we doing a lightning round by the way?
0: Sure. <laughs> I could I could <laughs> lightning
4: round. uh shameless plugs dade mag.com for all of your bango podcasts and blind tasting and other such things needs. If you want to advertise with us, ads at dot mag.com and you can find pangkong podcast. On Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud—no, not SoundCloud, not anymore. Sorry, sorry, SoundCloud. Uh, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and also davemikescom <laughs> slash Podcast. We're Pankong Podcast on all the things. That's Pankong Podcast, like a podcast sandwich, not Panko Podcast, not Pumpkin Podcast, not Pinko Podcast, but Pankong Podcast. Um, yeah, that's all the plugs. Uh, Sort yeah, shout-out to uh, Aquapana, San Pellegrino, Barrel. Shout-out to the people that pay the for Hally this shit. Wow. Drew Estate, Wild. all these sponsors. It's crazy, are people that, like, paying for this shit now, like... You know what it is that we I'm got people out. out? People and are now spenders. entering into multi-event deals. Wow. You know what that is? Get the fuck out of here. Dude. It's a mic drop situation. Man. I can't drop this thing, but I would. This whole thing, I would strap yeah. it. Just don't. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have that many sponsors. Um... <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, if you are a paying Patreon person, you will hear the lightning round after these air horns. And if Please. you're not a
0: paying Patreon person, just give us a dollar. Yeah. Stop being a cheap fuck and just like join in on
3: yeah. the
4: fun. I mean, listen, you know, there's a lot of inflation going on. Welcome to the lightning round. Well, but hold on. Thank you, thank you, John. All oh, right, that's right. You you know, know, never thank you for that. being we never here. Did that. Thank you, Lo Siento. Lo Siento, that you're not a sponsor yet. But uh, <laughs> or, you know, work yeah, that. we'll we'll see what we can work out. But in the meantime, we're getting paid to tequila. Uh, so yeah, lightning round coming right up. Thanks to all you Patreon patrons.